You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So we've got a fascinating episode today where we pit or we stage the battle royal or a couple of old men carping about one thing or another. I don't know. But we have Kevin Randall and Jim Mosley together, I think for the first time, or at least for the first time in many years. And of course, they haven't agreed on lots of things, especially Roswell. And now Kevin Randall has this new book out called Reflections of a UFO Investigator. So we're going to see how that reflects. And by the way, he also talks about abductions there. So we'll ask him about that, too. Now, on our show a couple of weeks back, we had Ruben Yorte and Noe Torres talking about this curious episode, the Cisco Grove UFO encounter involving a fellow who was a 20-something person at that time, Donald Shrum. And I was really fascinated listening to the case history, but also listening to what Donald Shrum remembered of it you know, 50 years later. But more fascinating is it's something about the UFO mystery that always kind of incites my curiosity. And that is when you do see these aliens, they seem to be so low tech. I mean, we have Donald Trump in the forest. He's being chased by the UFO aliens, by a robot. He's in the tree trying to avoid being captured. And the most significant weapon they could bring to bear is poison gas, knockout gas. What's going on here? Yeah, really. Having a clue there, Gene. Good question. Yeah, this is really interesting. You know, this is one of the things that I find myself concerned about is the fact that if we have alien visitors who are advanced enough to travel the stars to get here, is that the best they can do to capture somebody who has nothing more in his defense but bow and arrow? No, the whole thing sounds kind of paleolithic to me. Kind of, but it's like the UFO knots are always one step ahead of us. You know, it's not 10,000 years ahead of us because they can travel through the stars. It's just enough to be more advanced than we are in terms of their technology. I would think if they wanted to capture Donald Trump, it would have been the work of a few seconds. This is a cat and mouse game. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's just, it's bizarre. I mean, there's that absurdity factor that, that tricksterish kind of quality that raises its head in some of these cases is a real head scratcher. And I think that's kind of part of the, uh, the allure of, of this whole subject matter is there's just something always that doesn't make sense about many of these encounters. And, and I think, I think Trump had, had a real encounter, but it, it was fabricated to, appear to be nonsensical almost uh, with poison gas going up the tree uh, it, it's just bizarre throwing coins at it <laughs> it's just something something weird about this whole deal Gene it's very weird it's very strange and I have to wonder what exactly all this is supposed to mean I think there's a lot of psychological byplay going on here and it may well be that the only thing real about this case in terms of a physical reality, I'm just, you know, shooting in the dark here. The only thing real was the sighting that 
Shrum and his two friends saw. They all saw a UFO. After that, all things being equal, it was some kind of hallucination. I cannot believe for one second that advanced alien beings would play a game with an earthling for 12 hours straight and not just finish what they were trying to accomplish, especially if they knocked him out. He knocked him out, just climb up the tree and get him. Yeah, I, I, he, we would never mention if, if his butt hurt the next morning. I was kind of wondering maybe if they had got him and put him back up in the tree, maybe he, they would have left some vestiges of their inspection of him. Yeah. You know, I wonder if they even considered that kind of examination at that time. Now, Excuse in your me, travels me. with all these tricksterish kinds of things, and is that a word? I don't know. We're making up words here. We like to do that. In your travels doing this kind of investigation, what, pray tell, have you seen that might indicate the cat and mouse aspect of phenomena like this? Well, I don't know. You know, again, we are talking about contactee cases or encounter cases, uh, which I had very, very few to investigate. But one of the ones that I did have uh, featured a woman who fell in love with her her alien, um, the head alien. She encountered, I guess, uh, a number of these creatures over the years. But there was one in particular that she she fell in love with. And she really loved him uh, dearly and especially loved his uh, outfit that reminded her of an Elvis gold LeMay cape that he uh this alien would wear and she just she thought he looked great in it uh i guess that might qualify right that would qualify fell in love with an alien you know the men folk here you know we don't make it (laughs) yeah once you go gray you don't go back okay yeah that's pretty strange give us another one um this happened after I felt I had some weird kind of barely invisible entities come through my wall. I mean, this really the only time this has ever happened. I wasn't asleep. Um, I was lying in bed in the dark, but was wide awake. And I distinctly felt uh, something, a group of something kind of troop by me. Uh and I just stood there, and I was really, or just lay there, and I was really trying to to, to see them in the pitch dark in the in my bedroom, and uh, I just couldn't really make anything out, and uh, but felt it was a very eerie presence. So I went to sleep and found out two weeks later that my neighbor claimed that these, and I had to track her down, and she she I had to have one of her friends convince her to talk to me, but she claimed that. Um, as it turns out, the very same night, within about, I think, 30 minutes maybe or 40 minutes, she had a group of these small diminutive aliens troop through into her bedroom. And they, she felt that they were trying to, um, uh, I don't know, interact with her son, who was, I think, at that age, about four at that time. And he was a very special little boy. He was able to predict earthquakes. He'd, he'd wake up and say, Mommy, Earthshake today. And uh, sure enough, there'd be a, a major earthquake. He did this on a number of occasions. Uh, she was the widow of uh, Artie Lang, uh, of all people. And 
she had never had an experience like this before, to my knowledge, never had one uh, since. But she felt that they were going to do something uh, with her little son. And so she banished them and they wouldn't go. And she finally got mad and, and, uh, and surrounded her son with, with light. And, and they seemed to become disinterested and left right through the wall. And she says as they went in in the wall and, and you know, originally through the wall into her room, they seemed to be like water. They were transparent and ripply like they were, I don't know, like, like they were composed of water. It sounds to me like the Stargate, if you've ever watched the Stargate TV series or the single movie about the subject. The Stargate has this rippling blue water type effect as you go into right. the gate. Right. You well, become immersed she said the in the actual water. Being, the beans looked like water uh, while they were coming out of the wall. Okay, I won't say this story was all wet, but it strikes me as being weird, and it's something that we have to keep wondering about. What we have to wonder about is this book that Kevin Randall wrote called Reflections of a UFO Investigator about his history in the field. And we'll also ask about the Roswell Dream Team. We've got Jim Mosley also joining us with Gene and Chris. Chris is no longer KK this week, by the way. Next week on the PowerCast, we'll have a special all-star episode where we will honor Lucius Farish, whom some regard as the rock of ufology. With Gene and Chris, you're in the PowerCast. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. You know, we develop trust in the people we know, but we don't really know someone we can see. That's why I recommend GoToMeeting with HD Faces. It's a simple online meeting service. It's GoToMeeting by Citrix. All it takes is a webcam and a click to instantly collaborate. You can start hosting your own face-to-face online meetings today with GoToMeeting. You can try it free for 30 days. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and use the promo code PODCAST. Positive results from satisfied customers of Heart and Body Extract continue to pour into our website, hbextract.com. This is Al from New Jersey. One day I saw your ad for Heart and Body Extract, and it mentioned that it would help me with angina, so I decided to order. I figure I had nothing to lose. Heart and Body Extract supplies your body with everything it needs to balance itself and maintain optimal heart and circulatory health with no negative side effects. I took the formula three times a day as directed, and I kid you not, within four days, my angina pain was completely gone. Order HB Extract by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. I could not believe it actually stopped the pain. Heart and Body Extract actually works. This is just an amazing product. Even the numbness in my hands is completely gone. Heart and Body Extract for a long and healthy life. Has the United States been discovered in the Bible? Where does Islam fit in Bible prophecy? Is the new world order world government... These and other crucial end-time questions are answered in the new DVD package, Understanding the End Time, 
from Anti-Ministries. Jesus Christ said, I tell you these things before they come to pass, so that when they do come to pass, you might believe. After you watch this 14-lesson DVD series, Understanding the End Time, you'll know more about Bible prophecy than the average seminary graduate. This DVD package normally sells for $280, but now is only $199. Order Understanding the End Time DVD package at endtime.com today for only $199 or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463. 1-800-363-8463 or endtime.com. Did you know that how well your brain works is directly dependent upon how well your gut works? Did you know that an inflamed or compromised digestive system directly contributes to poor focus, depression, irritability, attention deficit, and hyperactivity? By eliminating the inflammation in your intestines and by having good bacteria populations, you may enjoy better brain function. The most important protein your body needs to keep inflammation down is glutathione. The number one food to support a dramatic increase in glutathione production is undamaged whey protein from grass-fed cows. Virtually all whey proteins are damaged by heat, filtration, and chemicals, except one. One World Whey is the most life-giving whey protein on the market. It is changing the lives of its users in very positive ways. One World Whey may act as one of the most important health foods to support your and your child's optimal brain function. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out at iTunes. We've got Jim Mosley. We've got Kevin Randall with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast at our new time slot. I don't know if that makes a difference because I think a lot of our listeners hear it later on. They download the show, and our affiliates are not going to necessarily change the time. So it may not make a difference to you, so we'll just not mention it. So, Kevin, you wrote this book, Reflections of a UFO Investigator, and Chris was remarking before we got started, he didn't realize how young you were when you got sucked into this. So tell us about this. Where did you start? In Colorado. To, to make it simple, and I've always said this, that my mother got me interested in, in UFOs because she had an interest in science fiction, which is about alien visitation, alien civilizations, and in, in interstellar flight. And, of course, UFOs are about all those things as well, so it's not a huge step into it. And I remember she took me to a movie called Earth vs. the Flying Saucers back in 1956, which was one of the Harry... Ray Harryhausen. Ray Harryhausen, thank you, thank you, thank you. I couldn't get, get that right. Uh, extravaganzas with the, with the Flying Saucers, so I was, I was very interested in that. Did and, you know, I, by the way, where they bought the rights, whose book they bought the rights for? To make that oh, movie? Oh, it was it, Don Quixote. And yeah. He was, he was outraged at, at <sighs> the way they treated the topic because it, because it was an alien invasion, in essence. The one thing that I remember was, as I read this stuff, it always seemed that they were talking about indistinct blobs of light uh, in the sky, which could be practically anything. And the question that I, I wanted answered, and I didn't really see it in any of the books that I'd read at the time, was if the objects were distinct, if they were clear. 
And one of my friends in high school told me that his mother had seen something when she lived in South Dakota. And so my first sort of investigation was to go to talk to her about what she had seen. And the question that I wanted answered more than anything else was, was it distinct? And, and I remember her telling me that it was a very distinct, sharply identified object, sharply defined object uh, hovering two or three hundred feet over the barn. And that was the one question I wanted answered. And I couldn't tell you much about anything else about the sighting other than that. But that was the one thing I wanted to know. So that is kind of how I got involved in this whole thing. Now let's take the trip from there to some of the cases or the stories that you've become famous or infamous for. Now, with regard to UFO abductions, where were you attracted to study that? Not really attracted to study that, but Carl Lorenzen and, and the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, a warehouse of UFO uh, information, and I wanted to do, I wanted to write, become a writer, and. In talking with Coral Lorenzen, the deal was if I would mention the organization in the text of the of the of the article, you know, give their address, then that they would consider that payment, and and then of course I could keep keep any fee that that I generated through through that. They had sent me the information about Dianzio Yanka, who was an Argentina who Argentine who who claimed to have been abducted, which I think we all now know as a hoax. But I'd done the article about that, and a woman in Utah had sent a uh, letter to Saga Magazine discussing this and said that she knew about how these things happened and that uh, how, the, how they abducted people. And, of course, I called Coral Lorenzen and said, you know, I've got this assignment to go out and talk to this woman from, from the magazine because uh, the letter came to me, but I know nothing about hypnosis or how to, how to do that sort of thing. And, and I uh, waited for her to, to find a, a hypnotist for me. And we ended up with Jim Harder and went out to, to Utah to talk to the woman and talk to her and, and some of the children who claimed to have been abducted. So at that point, I, I thought, you know, there, there's something to this. And I, I said in the article, and I've said in other places, that unless we find some psychological problem that could explain this, then this abduction is real. And, of course, I've since learned about sleep paralysis, and I'm convinced that this specific case in Utah was sleep paralysis. And so I got, I got kind of sucked into abductions that way. So I, I did some work on the abductions uh, because of that. Could I ask a, a question? Uh, yes, Jim, you can ask a question. I wanted to ask Kevin, does he believe that some abductions, no matter how few, are truly unexplained except uh, to believe that there's something paranormal or weird about them? In other words, are some of them real? <laughs> My feeling, Jim, and I'm going to get castigated for this, I'm sure. Well, listen, this is the Paracast. That's our stock and trade. <laughs> we get castigated all the time. Oh, Join boy, the do club. we. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, but I, my feeling is that the abduction phenomena has terrestrial explanations, that there is nothing extraterrestrial about it. And I... Yeah, I look at this thing and I read the abduction accounts. You know, I've talked to uh, Kathleen Martin, who is Betty Hill's niece, a number of times about this, and 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 she agrees to me at least to uh, an extent that some abductions are explainable as sleep paralysis. And we always try to make that clear that some abductions are explainable that way, but not all of them. And so there are other other mechanisms operating there. But um, I, yeah, I just see nothing to suggest that there's an extraterrestrial component to it. 
If there is, then I would think abductions like Betty Hill or Travis Walton would be more likely to be the way the abduction scenario worked than this constant coming into the bedrooms and abducting the same people over and over again over a period of years and decades. Well, do you think, uh, what is your feeling about missing time, which is, I would think, a first cousin to abductions, because if the time is missing and the person has no memory of what happened during that time, we could imagine that perhaps he was abducted. I think if we take a look at those cases where they claim missing time, and, and I, th- I think the best example might be the Hill abduction, where they talk about it took them too long to get from where they, where they began their trip to their, their home, but they kept stopping to, to look at the UFO, and they kept stopping to do these sorts of things. So uh, they got home later than they expected to get home, but it may be that the time really wasn't missing. It was, they just didn't realize how much time was passing. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I don't have all the explanations here, all the answers. There, there are some things about the abduction phenomenon that are, that are interesting and intriguing, but my personal opinion at this point is that there's nothing extraterrestrially involved in it, which is not to say that something may not come up tomorrow or later this afternoon that, that would reverse that opinion. But looking at it from the research that I have done over X number of years, I just don't think there's really too much uh, of an extraterrestrial nature or an extraterrestrial component involved in it. I think, just my own opinion, uh at this point in time, you know, if anyone cares, I don't think there are interplanetary craft coming here, but I do absolutely think that something extremely peculiar is going on, and for want of any better explanation, I'll call it paranormal, which doesn't uh, tell us anything, but it means it's something we certainly don't understand and something that is real, but I really don't see why we have to assume just because it sounds like fun uh, that these things are coming physically from some faraway planet uh, and they find it so interesting that they come again and again. I don't think that's the answer. We'll have more answers with Kevin Randall and with Jim Mosley, who of course has saucer smear. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. When it comes to running a successful business, there are many things you have to get right. But one thing is often overlooked, and that's protecting the data that powers your business. Computers, servers, external hard drives, and even tape backups are vulnerable to failure. In the U.S. alone, over 140,000 hard drives fail each and every week. According to one study, only 7% of companies that lose their data centers for 10 days or more survive beyond the year. So I want to tell you about our friends at Mosey. The most trusted name in online backup. Give our friends at Mosey a call. They've been doing this for a long time and run the most secure, most trusted online backup service. Right now, you could save 15% by using the promo code PODCAST15. That's PODCAST15. Call 877-669-9776. That's 877-669-9776. Or visit moseypro.com. That's M-O-Z-Y pro.com. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. 
Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. That's what it sounds like when a burglar kicks in the door of a dark house that looks like no one is home. Don't let your home be the next target. Make it look like someone is home watching television with fake TV. Fake TV is a small electronic device that makes the same light as a real television. So from outside, it looks like someone is home watching TV. Fake TV plugs in just like a lamp on a timer, but is far more convincing to burglars. Fake TV deters burglars, costs far less than an alarm, and is highly recommended by numerous police departments. Use it anytime you're away from home. To order your fake TV for only $34.95, go to faketv.com. Or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. Each additional fake TV is only $29.95. So get one for you and one for a loved one for safety, security, and peace of mind for both of you. Call 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. FakeTV.com, the burglar deterrent. If you're taking one, two, five, or more nutritional supplements, please stop. Simplify your supplementation with Bio Superfood, the most advanced nutritional whole food supplement you can buy. Men, women, children, even Olympic athletes the world over have discovered Bio Superfood from BioAge.com. And now take just one nutritional supplement instead of many. The Bio Superfood formulas are whole food products composed with four of the most nutrient-dense algae found on Earth. Bio Superfood for the brain helps with focus, memory, clarity, and mood. If you can increase brain health, the rest of the body is a no-brainer. Bio Superfood has zero toxicity and is safe for you and your family. Learn more and order your Bio Superfood formulas at BioAge.com, spelled B-I-O-A-G-E.com, BioAge.com, or call 877-288-9116. That's 877-288-9116. BioAge, the age of advanced organics. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned in to the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? I think this is the kind of show where Chris and I can be flies on the wall, and we just set <laughs> Jim Mosley and Kevin Randall to talking, and they will proceed to keep us going. Now, Jim made a statement about what he thinks about UFO reality which is maybe that we shouldn't be looking to other star systems but consider a paranormal event of some kind. Kevin, what's your take on that? I look at it this way. I think, based on what I've seen in, in my research, that we're dealing with interplanetary craft. But I don't say that in, in, to exclude all over possibilities. I think that there may be some kind of a paranormal event that's involved. It may be something of, uh, interdimensional. It may be something psychological. There may be other explanations involved. To me, the most likely is interstellar flight, 
but you know, if we if we get to evidence that suggests something else, I'm willing to go in that direction. I think one of the most fun explanations is it's time travelers from the future, but uh, or human human time travelers from the future. I suppose I should say. So you but, say you think that that is possible, or that it's not? I didn't I, understand you. I think I think I say it's one of the possibilities. If you look at oh. the compendium or the of explanations, I think extraterrestrial is probably the most likely. But there are other explanations that could be the answer, and, and time travel is one of them, as is paranormal, as is interdimensional. I just think that the if we look at it from the evidence that I've seen, I, I think extraterrestrial is the most likely of the explanations, but not, but not exclusively. I just find, uh, out of all the possibilities, when you think of the distance involved and all the problems involved, uh, I think to reach out literally that far and assume that that should be or has to be or might be the answer is, I think, the more I think about it as I get older, and I definitely am getting older, but I really, of course, it's theoretically possible, as is anything, until you find out that it's impossible. But I know, well, I do know why people start from there, because it's exciting and interesting, and everybody wants to know if there's life elsewhere in the universe, and I'm sure that there is, but it's a big jump from saying there is life elsewhere in the universe uh, to saying that life is so interested in us that it appears here somewhere on Earth almost daily and uh, continues to act in the peculiar way that it has been acting. I, I just don't see that as a realistic uh, scenario. If you look at the whole thing in, interstellarly, the, the distances are extremely vast. They're, they're just huge. And our current technology doesn't allow us to traverse those distances easily. But that is not to say there may not be ways of doing it that we just haven't thought of or we haven't discovered yet. And, and one of the explanations I've always kind of liked uh, to, to reduce the distances is if you put a dot at the top of a piece of paper and the dot at the bottom of the piece of paper, I was going to say that it's a good thing that Jim is breathing because the conversation would be a whole lot different. Mm. But, but what I'm thinking is, you know, you put the dot at the top of the piece of paper and the dot at the bottom of the piece of paper, and it's separated by 11 inches. But if you fold the paper in half, the dots are touching. So the distance is, is irrelevant at that point. I don't know if there's a, psycholo or a psychological or physical way to uh, fold the universe that way so that we can make those leaps quickly and easily. Uh, if I knew the dynamics of interstellar flight, I'd be a lot richer than I am and a lot more famous. But uh, there, may be, there may be things that we don't understand that make it a lot simpler, and uh, that would explain at least part of the UFO phenomena. Their ability to get here is not the, the Herculean task as we see it, but is something a little bit simpler. Uh, but don't you I, I think, don't know. Don't you think, though, uh, that it is a fact that people... Uh, prefer that belief uh, almost in a religious way because, well, partly because in some cases, allegedly, these creatures have given us uplifting messages, but also just the concept itself that there are beings somewhat like us elsewhere, and they're coming here uh, just about at the time that we are going to start trying to go there. I, I think that is so... Uh, interesting and, and uplifting uh, to a whole lot of people that they are going to just stick to that belief, even if it is uh, unlikely. And, and we have nothing to agree with 
I have nothing to disagree with there. I think you're absolutely right that, that there are people who tenaciously hold on to the beliefs, and I think Frank Salisbury, in one of his investigations, bore this out. Uh, he had talked to a woman who'd seen a, a flying saucer the day before and, and saw a cockpit window in it and saw the creatures behind it. And Salisbury took her out the next day to the place where she had seen this thing, and she was pointing it, and there was another craft. And he noticed in the distance that there were some uh, teenage boys launching hot air balloons. And he asked them, were you here yesterday? And they said, yeah. So clearly what she had seen was their hot air balloons that they were launching, their, you know, the, the uh, laundry bags with the candles in it. And she, in her mind, I think it's gestalt psychology, had created this image of the, uh, the window and the, and the um, creatures behind it. And she, she was not willing to believe. She said, yes, that's what I saw. Uh, yesterday, and then when it was identified, she said, well, no, that's not what I saw. So so you're absolutely right, Jim, that there are people who are going to hold tenaciously to their beliefs, regardless of what the evidence is, regardless where it it, it takes them, and, and well, yeah, you can't it's, convince it's, them otherwise. It's wishful thinking, uh, really. I, I certainly, I know we'll be talking about Roswell eventually. I was very much intrigued by uh, Roswell at the beginning, uh, before, and we'll get to this, before all the stories involving uh, dead bodies were were eliminated, I mean, I thought, well, my God, they've got the bodies, people have seen them, and they look something like us, but not exactly. Uh, this very likely uh, is uh, something interplanetary. I don't know how many years ago that was, but the more I studied it and the more evidence of that sort uh, fell apart, and the more I thought about it, I just, uh, well, you know me at this point, I'm uh, a mogul balloon man, which makes me uh, <laughs> unwelcome in many circles, but that's that's just the way I finally ended up about Roswell. You know, Jim, I want to ask you more about that, because on your previous appearance on the show, you said that it was Kevin's book, Reflections of a UFO Investigator, that made you more convinced that was the theory. So maybe go into that right now. More, Ex- more convinced of what? That more convinced that it was a mogul balloon, Roswell. Explain just very briefly for Kevin's benefit why you came to that conclusion. And then we can have a little back and forth, okay? Well, well, uh, I was convinced before his book. I, the thing in there that I think you're talking about is is this. I'm not going to be able to say this perfectly, but uh, Brazel's daughter, Bessie, uh, and I'll call her Bessie Brazel, although she has a a married name, which I I don't remember, but it's right in your book, Kevin, and it's elsewhere. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but you know that she made a statement about pastel flower designs. Now, I know that you believe that she made a lot of mistakes in her testimony and that she changed it and so forth. And and I'll grant you that, although I know nothing about the details. But however she changed it and and whatever else went wrong, I want to know where did she get the idea of pastel flowers? And my answer is from the mogul balloons, because as you know, uh, uh, Moore himself talked to me and many others and uh, discussed the fact that for some reason, uh, these strips, uh, which were indeed about two inches wide, had a design of uh, pastel flowers. Now, let me just uh, go on for another minute. 
if you're going to make up something to make a weather balloon or a, or a spaceship or whatever more interesting and exciting, you might decide, well, let's add in hieroglyphics uh, because that is exciting and weird and that could mean you're dealing with some kind of an alien race. Or you might uh, add in a metal which is peculiar and can't be burned and can't be bent. I mean, that's interesting, too, and uh, makes a big difference. But you know, Jim, I, what's interesting is this break that we're going to do. We have Kevin Randall and Jim Mosley with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Are you ready to order the official Paracast t-shirt? You asked, we answered. We're now taking orders for the official Paracast t-shirt. It comes in white, 100% cotton. The front of it features the same logo that we have on our community forums. On the back it says, separating signal from noise. To order the official Paracast t-shirt, here's all you have to do. Visit our new online store at store.theparacast.com. more time at store.theparacast.com you can use a major credit card to place your order for the official paracast t-shirt hey neighbors we have one more thing to talk about and that's more merchandise at the official paracast store we have hats we have jackets we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the paracast logo at the official paracast store it's all now available at the official paracast store store store.theparacast.com Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporian e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service, fast, free, same-day shipping, and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee. So are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle? Then call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Or visit lesig.com, spelled L-E-C-I-G.com. Lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. Don't answer it. If fear strikes your heart when the phone rings, knowing it may be another bill collector, it's time for you to call Zero Debt in 90 Days, 800-477-9256. Settlements, bankruptcy, and attorneys are not the answer and may end up costing you up to 10 times more than necessary. Listen, if you're already in debt, does it make sense to get buried in another payment plan? Zero Debt in 90 Days gets you out of debt in 90 days guaranteed without a payment plan and without attorneys or going to court. Get the fastest relief from debt on the planet when you call 800-477-9256. If you have debt with the IRS, credit cards, student loans, or a foreclosure, we can help at zero debt in 90 days. And we are the only organization to provide written guarantees on the results. Go to ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. That's ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. Or call now for free information, 800-477-9256. That's 800-477-9256. 
Valentine's Day is this Tuesday, and Pro Flowers is offering an amazing last-minute deal. Two dozen long-stem assorted roses plus a free glass face, a free soothing spa kit, and a free box of chocolates for just $39.99. Go to ProFlowers.com, look for the radio microphone in the upper right corner, and enter the secret code 7777. But hurry, Valentine's Day is this Tuesday. The price of roses will skyrocket the closer we get to Valentine's Day. Order now from Pro Flowers to get huge savings and guaranteed Valentine's delivery. Two dozen stunning long-stem assorted roses sent fresh from the fields, guaranteed to stay fresh and beautiful for at least a full seven days for only $39.99. Plus, we'll include a free vase, free spa kit, and free chocolates. Remember, the price of roses can double, even triple near Valentine's Day. And this last-minute deal expires this Monday. The only way to get this amazing deal is to visit ProFlowers.com. Look for the microphone in the upper right corner and enter the secret code 7777. This is Kurt Southern, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. Welcome to part four of the Flying in the Ball show with Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien. And we're talking to Jim Mosley, editor of Saucer Smear, Kevin Randall, UFO investigator, who has written a book called Reflections of a UFO Investigator. What else could it be? Jim, you were basically yeah, detailing you, uh, your concerns you about Roswell, and then we'll have Kevin's answer. Go ahead, please. Yeah, you caught me just as I was reaching my point. So you might add in uh, all kinds of uh, interesting things, such as hieroglyphics or peculiar metal or uh, many other things that I can't think of offhand. But where would you get such a strange crazy, perhaps, idea of pastel flowers. They don't belong on a spaceship. They don't belong on a mogul balloon, but uh, it seems that they were on a mogul balloon, and that is my point. I think that's a smoking gun. Well, the problem is, as you mentioned earlier, is Bessie Brazel Schreiber was her last name. She has passed away. She said that the events that she remembered, picking up the parts of the balloon, did not take place in July of 1947 that her brother Bill was right. She was not at the ranch at the time. So, well, Where did um, she get the idea of, of these pastel flowers? Let's say that she wasn't even there, then that point is irrelevant. But let's take a look at that. There has been, since the 1980s, the early 1980s, when there was a lot of discussion about the, uh, as the discussions were beginning about the, the Roswell crash, one of the things that, I believe it was Jesse Marcel Sr., may have been junior, but, but one of them had produced a sketch of some of the symbology that they had seen or remembered seeing on the craft, and some of them was these disjointed flowers. And so the, the information was out there in the uh, public arena, which means she may or may not have seen that discussion before she uh, began describing the pastel flowers as well. Jesse Marcel Jr. had said, not that the symbology was pastel in color, but it was uh, purple instead, a, a, a deep purple. So we have a, a conflict in the descriptions of what the symbology looked like. So the information was out there in the public arena. She may have been contaminated. She may not have been contaminated by it. I think the, the important point, though, is that she was not present at the ranch when the debris was found. But I don't even know if, if that matters. The point that I'm making 
and why I insist it's a smoking gun is that, as you say, there was talk by different people about something that looked a lot like pastel flowers, and I'm saying that isn't something that you would be likely to make up, and I'm saying that there were pastel flowers on, on a mogul balloon, and that just sounds like one and one equals two. I, I, I really well, don't if see... I, if, if I wanted to be completely completely uh, nasty about this thing, I'd point out that um, that there is no evidence that there were the flowers on the past, uh, the, the pastel flowers on the mogul balloon. That is something that Charles Moore contributed to the discussion, and it's something well, wouldn't, that... Wouldn't he remember... About. Wouldn't he remember? Uh, I mean, again, why would he make it up? It's not something. Well, let me that... let me ask you. But, but but see, here we are. Well, we've got to we we say that Charles Moore would remember this stuff. Um, but if if I say somebody else remembered something, so well, you know, the memories are fifty years old, sixty years old, so those don't really count. But what I'm what I'm attempting to say here is that no one has found a balloon with that pastel pastel flowers on it no one has been able to produce the tape nobody has been able to produce anything that shows that those balloons uh carried that tape or or, or to be precise the radar reflectors carried that tape to, to be found and and the other thing is um there were no mogul balloons being launched in new mexico charles moore has made it very very clear they were not mogul balloons they were new york university balloons so uh, well uh, and, and what i'm what i'm saying what i'm saying is of course a matter of semantics rather than uh, yes because uh he is supposed to have never and i don't believe this is correct but he i think uh said that he always knew it as the New York uh, balloon project or something very close to that, and that he had not heard the word mogul at all until uh, uh, what was his name, Robert Todd, in in something that he wrote uh, brought it up. He was the one that introduced the mogul term. Now I don't know if that's true or not, but I've heard. Well, we that. can we can demo we can demonstrate that that Moore actually knew the term mogul before that because in a letter I think it's dated 1960, maybe a little bit later than that. Uh, Dr. Crary was introducing more to James Van Allen. They were going to work on some project, and, and Crary was telling Van Allen who it was and mentioned that Moore had been working on the Mogul project. And Moore, of course, had a copy of that letter in his file. So Moore knew the name prior to Robert Todd telling him, and he, and he clearly just forgot it. Well, forgot yeah, I think you're right about that. But, I mean, I, I don't want to repeat myself, but, again, no matter how the details differ or if some details are incorrect, it seems amazing to me uh, that Moore would talk about something as strange and unusual for any mechanical device to have as pastel flowers and that others that saw uh, the wreckage also mentioned in one form or another pastel flowers. It just is off the wall. It isn't something you would expect to see and therefore it must be something that was there. And, and as I said, we don't have a lot of witnesses that talk about the pastel flowers. You mentioned Bessie Brazel, and she certainly mentioned those things. I think Loretta Proctor talked about pastel flowers, but she, didn't, she began talking about it in 1995. In an earlier testimony, she talked about symbols, but she didn't give a color, and she didn't give a, a description of what they look like. So I think there's some um, uh, confabulation going on there, which is not to say that uh, Loretta Proctor's testimony should be rejected. It's merely that, and I think when you get anything like this, this event, as people talk about it, they begin to add details to their descriptions that they did not necessarily observe themselves. 
but they heard about uh, other people talking about. It. So you get some. So, so you don't think way. there were any pastel flowers? I'm ambivalent on the point. There is some testimony that suggests there was. There's testimony that suggests there wasn't. And and one of the things we hope to to do, and when I say I hope, uh, the the team of researchers that are working on the case now, uh, is to resolve some of those some of those questions. Can we pin this down one way or another? and come well, to a resolution that would be acceptable to everybody. Well, now that's what I was going to ask you next. I, I'm familiar with uh, the Dream Team. and uh, Jim, let's uh, back up on this. I want to basically acquaint our listeners to this. We did mention it briefly on previous episode and the session we had with you and also with Chris Rutkowski, who was on last week on the Paracast. So let me put the question to Kevin in the segment. Okay, you set up something called or worked with others setting up something called Roswell Dream Team. Can you explain the background of it, the reason for it, what you hope to accomplish, and also name the members? Well, first of all, I think we, what we ought to point out is I think Tom Carey is the one that uh, called it sort of a dream team of the researchers that he'd like to see looking at uh, the case as deeply as he possibly could. And what uh, Tom and I had done was invite various people who had some expertise in the case uh, David Rudiak, for example, because of his work on the Ramey memo. And if, and if we can come to a consensus of what the Ramey memo says, the Ramey memo being this, this document that he's holding in those pictures taken on July 8, 1947. So, I mean, it's, the providence is there. It's Ramey's holding the darn, the darn thing. If we can co- come to a point where we can uh, resolve that memo better so that we can read it more easily – and if it says, as, as uh, Dr. Rudiak suggests, that it says victims of the wreck and talks about the, uh, the Roswell case, then that pretty well um, changes the, the content of the conversation. If we cannot resolve that, then we're, we're left with the same ambiguous um, discussion that we've had in the past. So the, the, the team is made of, of, of people who have some expertise in the Roswell case, some people who uh, have been researching it for a long time. We invited Chris Rutkowski on it as sort of our resident uh, skeptic. And, and finding, finding a skeptic to join the team was, was something of a, a delicate situation because we didn't want someone who was so rabidly anti-Roswell that nothing that we produced would ever convince them that that Roswell was extraterrestrial. We wanted we wanted someone with a with a good mind and someone who would look at the evidence from a skeptical point of view and say, you know, you guys didn't make the case here. You've got to do do something more. So we've got we've got Tom Carey working on the team. We've got Don Schmidt. We've got uh, Chris Rakowski, and we have uh, Tony. Bregalia, yeah. Bregalia, thank you, thank you, Jim. Uh, Working on the team, and what we what we're trying to do is look at it as sort of a cold case. And I'll tell you what, we'll explore the implications of this Roswell dream. Jim, I got to do the break. We'll explore the implications of the Roswell dream team and looking at it as a cold case, and not like the former TV show. You're with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. 
By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carding to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. With Gene and Chris, the flies on the wall, talking to Jim Mosley and Kevin Randall. Kevin's new book is called Reflections of a UFO Investigator. Jim is editor-publisher of Saucer Smear. And Kevin, you were basically defining further after mentioning the members the mission of the Roswell Dream Team, looking at this as a cold case, does that mean basically throwing away all your conclusions and just starting over, looking at the information to see what you can decide might be the cause behind it? Well, I think if you, if you look at the team membership, you've got a couple of people, uh, and to point fingers specifically, Tom Carey and Don Schmidt, who are rapidly in the extraterrestrial camp. I tilt that way. I think I think it was extraterrestrial as well. But I like to I like to think, and I hope I can, that I, I can look at the I look at the evidence and go where it takes us. Tony, I think, is is pretty rapidly in the um extraterrestrial camp and I think uh, Chris is pretty much on the other side of the of the fence. So I kind of straddle the fence. Chris is all alone on one side and and the other team members uh, and and David Rudiak of course are, are on the other side of the fence. Now the one but, question I think a lot of us had yeah. about putting Tony Bergaglia on the team, is that there's a questionable nature of his claim that the Sicaro, New Mexico case was a fraud dreamed up by college students. Do you think that makes him a more or less credible person to have on your group? Yeah, I was going to ask that. Uh, Thanks, Gene. You're very welcome, my friend. Well, I think what it does is, I mean, I disagree with Tony's analysis of the Coral case. I think I think he's wrong on that. But it also suggests that we can look at the cases from different points of view and still work work as team members. There was originally the idea that it wasn't actually college students who had done it, but it was uh, high school students who had set something up to get even with uh, Lonnie Zamora back in back in the 1960s. Excuse me, it would have to be college kids, not, I've never heard uh, high school kids mentioned. I think Phil Class mentions high school students in his book, Uh, but, but, and and maybe that's, maybe that's a misnomer on my part, but I know Tony rapidly suggested it was the students at the um, School of Mines there in uh, the New Mexico Institute there in in Well, well, the idea is that uh, that Lonnie Zamora supposedly was a very hard-nosed cop and had been unkind to the college students and had uh, arrested them for speeding 
unnecessarily or uh, too often or so on, and that they were dying to get even with him, and uh, no doubt they might have been, but whatever was seen there was a highly advanced craft, and uh, I would think you'd need a lot of time and, and money and expertise to build anything like that, and I think it's off the wall to uh, think it was a hoax. I, I love hoaxes, but I don't think that's one of them. I agree with you. I don't think it was one either. But I think what it demonstrates is the team members can come to divergent opinions and still discuss things rationally. And I know that Tony's enthusiasm sometimes take rain, but there are other members of the team to hold those enthusiasms in check. He's very good at finding people. He's very good at talking to uh, He is a good researcher. People. He's very uh, good at uh, digging. And, and, so, and we've got a long list of names and phone numbers of people who were at Roswell in 1947. I know Tony published something on his blog uh, not too long ago where he was really annoyed at uh, a couple of the guys who said, well, they weren't even there or, or denied their service, and he thought that was just outrageous for them to do so. I disagree with him on that, that analysis, but... Well, why, uh, why do you? Uh, I disagree with him on that particular point. Well, I, I don't. If let us say, let us say for the sake of argument that Roswell was extraterrestrial, and you have a number of people involved in it, and they are told at that time, do not talk about this ever. Don't mention it. Don't say anything about it. And so now we get 60 years into the future, and somebody calls them cold uh, and wants to talk about this, and they're remembering what they were told back in 1947. And and the easiest way to get the guy off the phone is, I wasn't even there. So I, I well, don't you think know, I mean, it, it's. Uh... I don't understand his whole point on that particular item because it doesn't seem to me that a man would deny that he was in the service and was present at that location at that time because I suppose that could be proven. His uh, oath of silence wouldn't, uh, it's made ridiculous, you might say, by him denying that he was even there. But it's the, quick, it's the quickest way to get somebody off the phone. Well, you got the wrong guy. It wasn't me. I wasn't there. And well, so, maybe so. You know, I, I, I mean, I've, I've conducted an awful lot of these discussions, and I remember calling one guy, and I, kn I knew exactly who it was, and his response to me was, I don't know who you are. I don't know what's classified. I don't know what's still classified. I don't know what's been declassified, and I'm not going to talk to you. <laughs> well, that's the end of that discussion pretty much at that point. So uh, I can understand. It's the easiest way to get somebody off the phone. Now, you got the wrong guy. I've talked to, and, and, and this is, I, I, I kind of tell the story about Glenn Dennis. Glenn Dennis was, was mad at Don and me because we hadn't found his nurse yet, the, the, the famous Naomi Self. Yes. And I said, I said, you have to understand that there are a lot of people in the country that have the same name. I said, for example, I was talking, we're looking for Robert Slusher, and I talked to a guy just this afternoon who had been in the uh, Army Air Forces, had been, been a member of the Air Corps, had been in World War II, and it's the wrong guy. And uh, Glenn Dennis said to me, oh, I know Bob Slusher, he lives over in Alamogordo. And I called over, and it was the right guy. But, I mean, the point simply is there's a lot of people with the same names. And well, yes, we, but do you agree with me that by now we know as a fact that the nurse did not exist under any name? I would agree with you on that, yes. Okay, thank you. Because I, I remember, and it sounds odd, but I'm pretty sure it's true, it was Popular Mechanic a number of years ago that sent somebody out to look for the nurse. They found only one nurse still alive from that year at that hospital, and she was in a nursing home, and she hopefully still had her mind together, and she did not remember 
uh, nurse by any name that fit the description that was given. We, 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 can, we can go further. We had we had the name in Glenn Dennis's tale that the nurses had been killed in an airplane. The nurse had been killed in an aircraft accident that killed five nurses in Europe. Well, Don Berliner went to the Stars and Stripes, which is a, a military newspaper printed overseas for the soldiers, and he could find nothing to a story. I went through the New York Times. Back in the pre-internet days, the New York Times printed, uh, printed an index. So I went through the indexes from 1947 to, I think, 1954, looking for aircraft accidents, because they're listed in there, and you could, you could find it. We could find no evidence of, of an aircraft accident that killed five Army nurses. Vic Goljubek found 20 nurses who had been assigned to either the base in that time frame or had been assigned to other hospitals that, that dealt with the military in that time frame and couldn't, couldn't come up with the, the name of the nurse. There's a, there was a listing of 125,000 nurses from the World War II era uh, that, was, that had been collected, and her name didn't appear on any of those roles. And uh, once we got to the point we could say with confidence that there was no woman by this name as a nurse, at the base in Roswell or any of the hospitals in Roswell, however you wanted to, to uh, set your per search parameters. And Glenn Dennis says, oh, well, I didn't tell you guys the real name. Well, you know, I would. Zero. Well, I was, I was going to point out, Jim, what I was going to point out, though, yeah, is, is, simply, is, is simply this. Uh, he gave us the name. He told, us what, he, told, he told me in confidence what it was and said, don't tell anybody, and then proceeded to tell everybody else in the free world what the name was. We looked for that nurse, and once we could, once we'd eliminated that name as, as a nurse, his answer was, I didn't give you the real name. Real name. I told you I was going to give you the real name, and, and, and that's not exactly what he said. It, 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 he changed the parameters, and he lied about it. So at that well, you point, know, wouldn't wouldn't you have a, a right to be very angry at Glenn Dennis for putting you and the other yes. researchers into yes. a great amount of trouble for absolutely nothing? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I, I, um, a, a police officer and I spent two hundred and fifty dollars on a search for the name using using databases that are that are accessible to the to the police. I mean, we went to a lot of effort, and yes, uh, I was very annoyed about that. And, and I think in, in uh, boy, and I'm supposed to be pushing the uh, reflections of a UFO investigator, but in the Randall Report published in 1997, I repudiated the Glenn Dennis story at that point. Next week on the PowerCast, we'll have a special all-star episode where we will honor Lucius Farish, whom some regard as the rock of ufology, next week. On the PowerCast. Our sponsors be very annoyed if we don't do this. We have Kevin Randall with Jim Mosley, with Gene and Chris. You're in the PowerCast. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. 
Hi, this is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. In the past, I've taken a lot of different vitamins, some through health food stores, some that friends recommend. Colleen talking about her experience with Super Sea Veg. And with the Super Sea Veg, I was seeing a lot better results. Super Sea Veg with Vita D and C Cal is the most powerful dietary food supplement in the world today, and nothing else comes close. Super Sea Veg is a whole food that makes me feel good. Think of Super Sea Veg as the unvitamin. I have taken other things, and they just didn't work. This seems to work for me. And Super Sea Veg comes with a 90-day money-back guarantee. Store-bought vitamins do not have the supplement and the full, whole feeling I have from Super Sea Veg. Get 15% off your first purchase on our website, superseaveg.com. That's super, S-E-A-V-E-G.com. At checkout, enter coupon code UNVITAMIN. Or place your order at 866-SEA-VEG. That's 866-732-8344. Eating Super Sea Veg daily is eating right. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Warning, the unprepared may not survive the next natural disaster, terrorist attack, or economic collapse. In light of recent global unrest and natural disasters, we bring you this urgent message from David Morris, author of the acclaimed Urban Survival Course. Because this message is urgent, we won't waste time on the why you should act now. You already know why. It's the very real and growing dangers reported in the media every day. Now it's the what you must do. Go to freesurvivalminicourse.com and claim your free urban survival mini course that will prepare you for breakdowns in civil order. Today, David Morris is offering you instant access to his seven-part urban survival mini course at freesurvivalminicourse.com. You should already be at your keyboard. Enough talk. Act now while you still have time and while it's still free. FreeSurvivalMiniCourse.com FreeSurvivalMiniCourse.com Or call 877-403-7076 877-403-7076 You'll be glad you did. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com that's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. 
or check us out at iTunes. Kevin Randall's current book is Reflections of a UFO Investigator, but it doesn't matter. He doesn't mind if you buy one of his older books. And if you can find a copy of Shockingly Close to the Truth by Jim Mosley, he wants you to buy that. And I have actually read Shockingly Close to the Truth. I have a signed copy from signed by Carl Flock on my bookshelf. Oh, did I and, sign it? No, you didn't. Well, but, my but, God. Uh, but Carl, send it Carl back did. to me. Send it back to me, and I'll <laughs> sign it. Uh, and of course, I, of course, I'm lying. I won't send it back to you, but I will sign it. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was afraid of. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. no, actually, I don't have any copies of it myself except my own copy. With Glenn Dennis, I I find him fascinating because uh, other than uh, Professor Moore, I think the only Roswell witness that I have interviewed myself is Glenn Dennis. I, I went there to the museum once. I forget. I was there two or three times. I forget which time I talked to him, and he, he was very nice and very talkative. I, I uh, thought he was a little odd. He, he said, you know, you've come at a very bad time today. This is just one day that I'm terribly busy. I don't know how much I can talk to you. And he talked for about an hour or something, and then he said, oh, there's something i got to do. Don't go away. I'll, I'll be right back. And, and he, he did that two or three times, and he always came back, and he, always, and he ended up talking at least two or three hours plus the time in between. And I figured correctly, I think, well, this guy likes to talk, and he does, you know. What's interesting about it is he'd always say, well, I can't talk about it. I don't want to tell you the story. Uh, you don't want to be interviewed. And yet he always would sit down for the cameras with one exception. And I don't know what the guys did to offend him, but he wouldn't sit down with them. But everybody else that has ever ever approached him to talk to him, he's always been very open and very very talkative about about what he had seen. Like you, I just don't believe his story. Is he in a nursing home or something now? I, I heard that. The last I heard, he was extremely ill, and I don't know I don't know if he survived to this point or not. I I, I really don't know. One other thing that uh, you know, it took me years to come to the conclusion that I'm going to mentioned to you, and I guess I'm very slow on the uptake. I think I, two years ago, had the wish that this was interplanetary, which stopped me from seeing obvious things, and that was the whole idea, as I understand it, that the military called him on the phone at the funeral home and asked him to prepare, I forget, three, four, five small coffins, because I don't know if they went on and said exactly why they needed them, but I... As I think about it now, what insanity. If you've got a thing with interplanetary bodies and it's so highly classified that people are threatened and uh, made to uh, hush up forever about it, but you just casually go to the phone and call the local undertaker for some coffins. Don't you think that's impossible? Well, not necessarily impossible, but I think it's highly unlikely. And and like, like I said, I just I do not believe Glenn Dennis's story. And and here again on on the uh, Roswell team, I, I am in disagreement with uh, Tom Carey and uh, Don Schmidt on that. They they still think there's something valuable in the Glenn Dennis testimony. But I I think once he pulled pulled that stunt where well I didn't give you guys the real name and I told you it wasn't going to be the real name. When he pulled that stunt, that was where he lost me completely. Oh well, and, I don't I don't uh, I don't blame you. At all, but and other things. I mean, that he that he should have known. Uh, he took us to the the base hospital and he showed it showed us the back door where they they carried the stuff in. 
But in 1947, the base, the base hospital that he took us to didn't exist. That was built in like 1952. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking that, that um, had he been involved in this event, um, he probably should have remembered what the base hospital looked like in 1947. And, and there were other little, little things like that. He was talking about this big romance with the nurse, but he was married in 1947, and his wife was pregnant. Well, that wouldn't that wouldn't necessarily stop him. Uh, uh, I but, understand uh, that, but but I'm but I'm just saying. I mean that that goes to suggest something about the character of the man, and it just uh, I mean let, add that to everything else. Let me um, ask you this, which is far more important. As far <laughs> as I I know, the last witness who was talking about dead bodies was Glenn Dennis. Is it true? Uh, do I have the right impression? that all the previous people, Anderson and a bunch of others, I have their names here and you know who they are. Is it true that as of now, there are no stories involving actual bodies that are considered believable? Uh, that, that's not true. I think Pappy Henderson... What, uh, what, what story involving bodies do you still consider to be true? There, there's a number of them. Pappy Henderson, for example, talked to his to his wife about it. Uh, there's there's Frankie Rowe, and I know Carl in his book had eliminated the the firefighters from from the story. And what what's interesting there when we talked to one of the firefighters that that Carl Carl had interviewed, and as I've interviewing this guy, he's telling me essentially the same thing he told Carl that they weren't involved, they didn't go out, they didn't see anything. And okay, you're talking about and Carl I, Flock. Right? Yeah, Carl Flock. So that's right. So I asked the guy another question, and I don't think Carl asked him the question. I said, did you know Dan Dwyer, who was Frankie Rowe's father? And he said, oh, yeah, Dan went out. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, Dan went out there. He said, a colonel came from the base, and I've always wondered why it's always a colonel. It's never a captain, never a major. It's always a colonel. Came out from the base and said, you guys don't have to go out on this one. Uh, we've got it covered, so just forget, forget about the whole thing. But Dan Dwyer went out in his personal car. And he talked to he talked to his daughter Frankie, and he talked to his other daughter, who's now um, Helen Cahill, I think it is. Talked about having seen seen the body. So there there are some credible stories about the bodies that, that are still around. The problem is we get we get mixed up with people like as you mentioned Gerald Anderson, who clearly wasn't telling the truth. We get mixed up with Frank Kaufman, who clearly wasn't the telling the truth. And I'll be the first to admit I believe Frank Kaufman when he when he started talking to us. Um, and, and, and we would we would find little corroborations for Frank Kaufman. His picture's in the yearbook, the 1947 yearbook uh, produced by Walter Hott. So clearly he's in Roswell in 1947. He's associated with the base. They're giving him some medal in the picture. I, and, and looking at it closely, I think it's a World War II victory medal, so I don't know why there was a big presentation for, for that medal because everybody who served in World War II got it. Um, so there were, there were some little corroborations for Frank Kaufman, but it turned out that Frank Kaufman was forging documents and making up the story. And, and I, I freely admit that I believed him in the beginning. Uh, he seemed to be very credible to me, seemed to be but a nice you, But you think that there are... Still, uh, you sound like two or three stories that you. Uh, there are there accept. are some there are some yes there are some there are some good stories that that talk about the bodies, and and we're finding we're finding some things and and granted some of the stuff that we're we're uncovering now isn't isn't all that exciting. I talked to a guy last week or two weeks ago, who was not directly involved. I mean, he was at the base at the time and and was not directly involved. By the way, the guy was a, is a Packers fan. In case you're interested, Green Bay Packers. Um, oh, I, I didn't know that. 
but we were we were talking, uh, and he said that his friends had had been involved in it, and they told him a little bit about it. But clearly, we all agree something something fell near Roswell, and the government, the military, recovered it. So now we're now we're to the point of let's see if we can figure out what the heck it was. We're going to figure this out first. We have Kevin Randall, Jim Mosley joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack Attack. of the Rockwood, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Do you suffer from low-functioning adrenal or thyroid? Did you know that mercury from your dental fillings comes off of your teeth both as a vapor and as particles into your body? Wherever mercury deposits in your body, it stops cells from functioning normally. Animal studies show that mercury causes kidney function to drop by 60%. Mercury deposited into your adrenals or thyroid will cause a corresponding drop in function. The number one method by which your body detoxifies itself of mercury is glutathione. The number one superfood that helps turn on all 10 trillion cells of your body to produce glutathione is non-denatured whey protein from grass-fed cows. After investigating most high-end whey proteins on the market, only one is the most non-denatured, the most active, the most complete, and in our opinion, the most powerful in what nature originally put into the fresh raw whey. It is One World Whey. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com. Don't answer it. If fear strikes your heart when the phone rings, knowing it may be another bill collector, it's time for you to call Zero Dead in 90 Days. 800-477-9256. Settlements, bankruptcy, and attorneys are not the answer and may end up costing you up to 10 times more than necessary. Listen, if you're already in debt, does it make sense to get buried in another payment plan? Zero Debt in 90 Days gets you out of debt in 90 days guaranteed without a payment plan and without attorneys or going to court. Get the fastest relief from debt on the planet when you call 800-477-9256. If you have debt with the IRS, credit cards, student loans, or a foreclosure, we can help at Zero Debt in 90 Days, and we are the only organization to provide written guarantees on the results. Go to ZeroDebtGuaranteed.com. That's ZeroDebtGuaranteed.com. Or call now for free information, 800-477-9256. That's 800-477-9256. Introducing a Diabetes Breakthrough, an easy, natural, organic way to bring relief to diabetics. 
Introducing MDS Forte, a concentrated super strength extract formulated for those who are looking for relief. What can MDS Forte do for you? MDS Forte reduces glucose levels safely and effectively, reduces cholesterol and triglyceride levels, increases HDL or good cholesterol while reducing LDL or bad cholesterol. MDS Forte reduces A1C, improves eyesight and circulation to the limbs, and helps with weight loss. Is non-toxic, caffeine-free, 100% natural, 100% organic, and comes with a 100% money back guarantee waiting for the side effects disclaimers with mds forte there are none order a 25-day treatment of mds forte by calling 213-405-5355 213-405-5355 or visit bestbloodsupport.com that's bestbloodsupport.com for mds forte a diabetes breakthrough My name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast. We are the flies on the wall. We're not the men in black, the galaxy protectors, but the flies on the wall. Gene Steinberg, Chris O'Brien, with Kevin Randall and Jim Mosley. And Kevin wondered between the two segments why we haven't jumped in with too many questions, and the reason is that Jim is doing all the jumping in. Well, thank you. I, He's the I'm jumper inner. Or uh, the I, hope inner paying, jumper. I, hope, I hope you're paying Jim for his, for his interviewing of me. He gets a free plug. <laughs> Let me say this, Kevin. I read the book, and I was very interested in several of the other cases that you talk about uh, investigating. Some of them you found to be hoaxes and thing yeah. ones that I would assume to be hoaxes. So, you know, the whole book wasn't Roswell, although about a third of it was. I have to say that in regard to these other cases, in my opinion, you seem like you're down the middle and you're ready to go either way. But I insist, as I have in Smear, and now that I've taken you off the mailing list, you may not have seen Smear recently, uh, but I really think that you are obsessed is a mean word, but I I think that you are totally biased uh, about Roswell, only that one case, because you obviously have a very strong will to believe, which is not a, a fatal flaw, but it makes it hard to do an impartial investigation. I would say I would I would argue your point that I'm obsessed with with the case because I, obviously I get off involved in other investigations such as yes. the roads and the roads photograph the, the Willingham investigation it was really annoyed me and I try to take an unbiased look and I try to look at the at the Roswell case and and I'll grant you that I'm certainly leaning in that direction I'm certainly biased toward the Roswell case but I try to look at all the evidence that's there and we've uncovered some interesting things about Project Mogul that will be coming out as soon as we we nail down some of the some of the facts and figures one of the things we're attempting to do is, is according to everything that we have, is Project Mogul, the, the, the launches in New Mexico, they were required to notify, and according to Charles Moore, the El Paso FAA station about the launches so they could produce a notum, a notice to airmen about this possible aerial hazard to navigation, aerial navigation. And so we're trying to we're trying to find an archive of those notums if the, if such a thing exists to see so we can see exactly what it said 
because I think that would be an important thing to learn. What what did the notum say? Did it describe what the balloons and the, the arrays looked like? Did it did it give you some interesting details, or was it just you know, be on the lookout for a big balloon display or something like that? It'd be interesting to see what that said and com- compare it with uh, some other things. So you know, we're looking for those things to see if we can nail down some of this stuff. Well, let me ask you, uh, there's five of you, and as you explained yourself, you've all got slightly different views on the Roswell case, and that's to be understood. But are you saying that you really believe that you can get all five of these people to, at the end uh, of your investigation, to sign off on all the same points and that you will all be in total agreement on the final answer? No, I don't. I don't think that we're going to do that. I would hope that we could do that, but I, I'm, I'm not, and I'm not sure that we'll be able to do that. I mean, with Dr. Rudiak's memo, the Ramey memo, uh, you know, I've been uh, an outspoken critic of the methodology used to decipher the the memo, and Dr. Rudiak is well aware of that. And I know Tom Carey and I have not really argued the point, but discussed the point uh, on a number of occasions. He believes that the the memo says victims of the wreck on the first line. I not sure that you can decipher it that closely to, to decide that. There are points, but the, but, but the other side of the coin, the Air Force said when they were looking at the memo, well, we can't decipher anything. Well, a kid with a magnifying glass can see Fort Worth, Texas, and weather balloons in the memo. So there are points that you can read, and you can read them pretty clearly. So the Air Force saying, well, we couldn't read anything is, is, is bogus, I, I think, as, as people saying, well, we can read the whole memo. So Well, I, I, I think you're... <laughs> probably wasting your time there you're just on the borderline of uh, perception you're into yes an area where you could almost i could i could imagine that you could read it in all sincerity and see one thing and i could read it in all sincerity and see something different yes because absolutely our, our, our background belief is different but what i'm hoping is as our technology improves that we might be able to determine what it says to 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 reach a reasonable consensus and I, and I think if you watch the old In Search Up program a number of years ago, they had a thing on Anastasia and whether Anna Anderson was really Anastasia, the, the woman who claimed to be the, yes. wife, the missing daughter of, of the czar. And at the end of the program, you know, I said, well, we may never know. Well, we do know because when that program was made, nobody had ever heard of DNA testing. And, of course, the bodies of the czar and his family hadn't been found. But now we have DNA testing, and we can say that Anna Anderson was not Anastasia. Well, you so have a very... A very interesting point. I saw that movie, I think, with Ingrid Bergman, if I'm right. And it's a lovely movie, and, uh, you know, uh, they certainly steer you into a a wishful thinking uh, or belief that it really is her. And I I don't follow it closely, but you're absolutely right. Uh, We know for sure now that it wasn't. And and, uh, it's kind of sad in a way because uh, I, I wish it had been her. Yes, so do I. I, I, I agree. But, but, but what I'm saying is, as our technology develops, and I know that there are two different groups now attempting to apply some of this new technology to the um, uh, Ramey memo to see if they can read it better, I'm of the opinion that it's not a digital photograph. It's a regular photograph, and the halides of silver are pretty much halides of silver. And I don't know, know that we're able, going to be able to resolve it to a point where we can get a consensus reading of the memo. But I think it's something that we need to look at. And so that's one of the things that, that, that we're going to do. We're trying to develop some documentation, some, some additional documentation that may give us some better, better knowledge of this. One of the things was the, the so-called Hoover 
memo where the oh, Air yeah. Force, the Air Force had asked the FBI to investigate actually the backgrounds of, of UFO witnesses. And Hoover had written on the back of it something to the effect, uh, I would think we should do this, but we need to be given full access to this recovery. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm familiar with that, yeah. Well, and, 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 and it says it in the L.A. case, but you can interpret that L.A. in a number of different way, ways. It could be SW for Southwest. It could be 2A. It could be SO for Soviet. But, but what we found was a typewritten version of that in, in another memo uh, where, where it, it clearly says L.A., and I think the facts of the Shreveport, Louisiana hoax from July of 1947 pretty well establishes that what it says is L.A., so it doesn't relate to Roswell, it doesn't relate to the Southwest, it does nothing to advance our knowledge of the Roswell case, but it's one point that we can eliminate uh, as cluttering the, the, the landscape and, and confusing confusing people about the documentation. So we're searching other avenues for documentation. Yeah, no, that's, and, uh, that's very interesting. But let me uh, just as a general thing, You've got a case here, not only it's cold, it's roughly 65 years old. There are, we have no bodies, even if somebody saw some at the time. There are none that we know of now. We have nothing but testimony. We have no physical evidence. We have only that photograph, uh, that famous photograph taken in the general's office. Uh, Seven photographs. That, Seven photographs taken. Seven photographs taken oh, in the general's okay. office. Yeah, well, fine, but uh, which clearly which clearly show a balloon and and a radar reflector. Yes. Well, okay. Now I've never gotten that straight. You and I'm sure a lot of others think that the wreckage was substituted. I can't imagine they went to that trouble. How and when and why did they substitute it? They did it. They did it in Fort Worth, and uh, General Dubose. Uh, Told us that that the the, the, the material in Ramey's office was not the was not the material found in Roswell. And, and well, Jesse I find, Marcel, I when find he, that awfully hard to believe that they went to that much trouble. It just doesn't seem reasonable. Uh, but 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 then let's look at it the other side of the coin. Do you do you find it reasonable that Sheridan Cabot, who was a counterintelligence agent at Roswell, and and I make these I make these. Identifications, Jim. Because I know you know who they are, but some of the people listening in. May oh, I don't know. listen. Uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, you, you are the Roswell expert. You and know I'll tell you what. We have another expert who needs to talk uh, to you right now. We have Gene and Chris. We're sitting back listening to Jim Rosley and Kevin Randall. <laughs> and that's the fly in the wall, Chris O'Brien. You're in <laughs> the Paracast. <laughs> America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database, so you get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to 
see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. Thousands of items, 47 categories, 101 name brands. Attention all outdoor geeks now listening to this broadcast. Your outfitters of outdoor gear and electronic gadgets is WildernessGeek.com. Discover a retail superstore of emergency survival, firearms, tactical accessories, camping, boating, hunting, and search and rescue gear like the life-saving laser flares used by Coast Guard and other rescue agencies. WildernessGeek.com is your electronic supplier of two-way and shortwave radios, GPSs, marine electronics, and portable solar chargers. Plus, WildernessGeek.com has experienced emergency search and rescue service personnel to help you find what you need and learn how to use it. And the best part? Free shipping on orders of $100 or more in the continental U.S. Plus 5% discount to all radio listeners and rescuers. Go to WildernessGeek.com. That's WildernessGeek.com, the electronic outdoor emergency survival gear superstore. What if pain could be reduced, ailments could be alleviated, physical and mental stress could be eased, and blood circulation increased, all by simply lying down? Introducing the original Biomat. The Biomat is an FDA-registered medical device that combines deep, penetrating infrared space-age technology and revitalizing negative ions with the incredible healing power of amethyst crystals. A Biomat can boost your immune system, relieve pain and stiffness, reduce stress and fatigue, and assist in detoxifying your body. Join the thousands of people reporting relief from chronic pain, fibromyalgia, arthritis, sports injuries, insomnia, and much more. Each Biomat comes with a lifetime trade-in and three-year warranty. Learn more at Bio mats.com spelled B-I-O dash M-A-T-S dot com or call 360-944-8692 that's 360-944-8692 visit bio-mats.com today and enhance your life with a biomat <laughs> are you still a traditional smoker now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes, revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporian e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service, fast, free, same-day shipping, and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker hi this is ted phillips listening to the paracast and it's as good as it gets believe me I wondered what that bizarre noise was. Oh, well, some are telling us to buzz off with this show. That's what it is. <laughs> we have Kevin Randall, <laughs> Jim Mosley, was... and you're with Gene and Chris on the Paracast. And we're just sitting back and yeah, saying, you know you're... what? 
Kevin, Jim, you can just keep talking. But we're not going to spend it all on Roswell. We spent about half the show on Roswell. Let's not. Let's kind of well, wrap things up here. He, he spent a third of this 260-page book on Roswell. And, uh, and, and uh, I spent a lot of time in Roswell, and I, I think it's justified. But what I was saying about Cabot was, uh, Jim, for you, is Cabot told me flat out that he'd never investigated a balloon. Do you think it's reasonable that, that he goes out on the field with Jess Marcel and, and Bill Brazel? And uh, he knows immediately it's a balloon, but he doesn't bother to tell Jesse Marcel. Bother to tell Jesse Marcel. He hauls this crap back to the base in Roswell, some 65, 70 miles away. Uh, he doesn't bother to tell William Blanchard, the base commander, that it's a, a balloon. Nobody on the base is able to recognize the balloon in the radar target except for Sheridan Cavett, and he doesn't bother to tell anybody. Does that make sense to you? Well, as I started to say before. You know more of these details than I do, by far. And you probably know more of these details than anyone else. So, I mean, uh, when it gets down to that, I'm lost. I, I just think that after 65 years with no physical evidence, uh, etc., I just can't imagine how you can solve this and indeed why you even try. That's uh, really my point of view. Uh, because if we, can, if we can come up to a consensus conclusion... We either eliminate the Roswell case from uh, what's going on, or we have we have the evidence that we need to suggest well, that there's. Well, I, I don't think I, I don't think you can do that either, because there are these tantalizing clues uh, around which you're talking about, and and which I can't explain, and, and so you're always going to have some kind of a, a question mark. But uh, in a case like that, you have to just say. Well, the most you can say, you never know for sure. For me, I'm about as sure as I can be. But, uh, uh, you know, if you came up with uh, a little man that had been overlooked until now, I'd, I'd certainly listen to you. And we're hoping, we're hoping that we were able to, uh, by mining some of this, this territory again, we're able to find some of that information that will be, be much more persuasive than the, just the testimonies that we've we found to this point. So that's the, we're, we're seeing what we can do. And it, it, it strikes me as the old gold binder uh, disc, uh, adage, which is you may not expect to find the gold, but you got to look. You know, yeah, you're you know, not going to find it unless you look. I have a question, yeah. Kevin. What, yeah. is, what, it, what is the possibility of being able to uncover some sort of smoking gun documentation, uh, possibly from from government archives, or I know an incredible amount of work has been done already to uh, find any sort of existing documentation. But what is there any possibility that that could actually happen? There's always the possibility because people people screw up. Uh, if if you remember the reason the way we found out about Project Moondust is somebody made a FOIA request, and I don't know if it was Robert Todd who initiated it or it was. Um, Clifford Stone, who initiated it, but one of them made a made a FOIA request uh, to the State Department and got eleven microfish with uh, documents that referred to moon dust, which is the government uh, uh, project to retrieve returning space debris of unknown origin or foreign manufacture, and UFOs was part of that. And and of course the, the the project was classified and the name was classified and we weren't supposed to know about it but somebody screwed up and we ended up with those those eleven microfish, so uh, you know we're looking we're looking in the places that people have looked and maybe have missed something we're trying to think of places that people didn't look, 
that might give us some additional clues, that might provide us with something. And, and Jim's right. We may, we may not be able to find anything that would be the smoking gun. But then again, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to make a real effort to do this and do it as scientifically and um, as, as neutrally as we possibly can, understanding. And I, and I, and I understand, you know, people are going to say, well, you're biased. And, and, and I freely admit that I'm biased, but I hope that I can look at it at least in an objective light. And well, maybe, don't you think the length of time is, is a problem? I mean, I, I've even mentioned, I've seen somewhere, and I don't remember where, one of you was uh, interviewing a grandchild of one of the original witnesses. I mean, uh, that was... would not be me. Well, yes, that would be me because we were talking to we were talking to the the the, the grandchildren of uh, Sheriff Wilcox. <laughs> All right. But, well, yeah, then. I, but 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 the thing is, but Jim, uh, yeah, I can say, well, let's go back to Anastasia. It was some an event that took place even longer ago, that was hidden by the Soviet Union, completely and totally buried, and yet today, nearly a hundred years later, we now have a solution, solution that we didn't have in the in the 70s or the 80s or the 90s, but a solution that we have today. And so yeah, you're, well, you're right a, about that. Yeah. So, um, uh, so you know, we're we're going to take we're going to take what we hope is an objective, unbiased look at Roswell and move on from there. And, well, okay. and I know I know that Gene had a question about something else. So, all right, I'm directing I'm directing your show, Gene. I'm sorry. Well, actually, I think Chris had the question. Chris, oh, I've heard over the years uh, claims of people squirreling away pieces of the um, metal, and I've never seen anybody um, actually follow up on some of these uh, claims and then produce any sort of results. What is the likelihood that, that perhaps Bechtel or one of the um, materials companies uh, of the time may have gotten a hold of some of the metal and, and possibly uh, a source from one of these archives could, could be located? Uh, have you guys uh, – I'm not as familiar with the Roswell case, obviously, as you guys are, but has, has any sort of uh, – work been done to try to um, figure out where this metal could have gone for analysis and then uh, and then made appropriate inquiries? We assumed in the very beginning, and when I say in the very beginning, that would be back in 1989 when we began, that, that somebody would have picked up a piece of the debris. And we followed any number of those leads. I know um, it would suggest Pappy Henderson had a piece of debris. And uh, when we visited with his, with his wife after Pappy had passed away, we visited with her out in California she showed us where all his documents were stored in this big, huge shed in the back of the house. Uh, and she thinks, well, it might have been in there, but he might have given it to somebody else. Uh, we, we, so, you know, we followed up some of these leads. We've actually got a lead to a possible diary that somebody kept uh, from 1947 that would, would give us uh, maybe some clues. Uh, Tony has been following up with, I think, Bechtel, uh, as a matter of fact, on, on some of that possibility. So we're following some of those leads. To this point, no, we don't, we don't have any samples of the metal at all. We, we don't have the bodies, we don't have samples of the metal, and we have limited documentation. So we're, we're kind of fighting an uphill battle in that respect. Let me ask you, uh, just slightly different, but still Roswell, tell me the story of Kent Jeffrey. I uh, take it that he was a pilot who got interested in Roswell, and he sponsored a uh, uh, petition to uh, the government, the usual thing, to tell us the truth, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but then he uh, went to a reunion of the 509th uh, 
whatever in in Roswell and uh, came away disillusioned and more or less dropped the whole thing. I mean, that's just an outline. Uh, tell me. Well, let's 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 make a couple of things clear. Kent Jeffrey was never in the military. He was not a military pilot. He was an airline pilot. And so, I mean, given that, he does not understand some of the things that go on in the military environment that that I understand because I've been in the military environment. In fact, I was a military pilot at one point. But but you're absolutely right. He was he was a rabid believer in Roswell. He spent he he began the Roswell petition to get people to sign to send to the White House thousands of petitions to get them to come clean about what was going on. Um, he spent a lot of money hiring attorneys to protect the witnesses who would come forward and tell their stories. And one of them that came forward was was um, um, Frank Kaufman. And I think I think one of the things happened was Kaufman talked about a general that he knew who was involved in this and gave the name to Kent and his father. His father was a retired Air Force colonel. A fighter pilot was a triple ace. It shot down 15 enemy planes. And since his father was well-connected into the hierarchy of the Air Force, they made inquiries about this general that Kaufman knew, and nobody knew who the hell it was. And I think that began the disillusionment of Kent Jeffrey. But then he went to a reunion, and he was talking to the pilots there, and they said, well, I never heard anything about it, and if it had happened, I would have known about it. And in the military environment, that's not necessarily true. Uh, You may think you're connected in there, and you'd know everything's going on, but sometimes you don't. And I know in, in, in my position, when we went to Iraq, there there were very few of us in our battalion, and the battalion was 650 people. There were very few of us in the battalion who had top-secret clearances. And so there was a lot of stuff that we knew that we didn't share with a lot of the other people because they weren't cleared to know it. So We have to share something with you, ladies and gentlemen. We have Kevin Randall. We have Jim Mosley. Gene and Chris are behaving as flies on the wall. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We continue with Kevin Randall, Jim Mosley, with Gene and Chris on the Paracast. The book is Reflections of a UFO Investigator. We spent a lot of time 
on Roswell, but maybe at this point it's enough with Roswell. Kevin, don't you think at this point that we should withhold much further discussion until you guys actually put all the evidence together and make some kind of final conclusion? Is this going to happen in months or years or what? Well, we're hoping to, hoping to do it in months. So we'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to see what happens here. But I, I'm, I'm willing to put the, the Roswell discussion on hold and move off into other arenas that were discussed in uh, Reflections of a UFO Investigator. That's fine with me. To me, uh, the most interesting one was uh, the story of Alexander Hamilton, which was funny that it would be a famous name uh, uh, but a different person. And uh, his story, uh, I believe, uh, having seen uh, a saucer kidnap a cow, etc. Well, that's from uh, Frank, not not Frank Scully, uh, uh, Edwards, Frank Edwards, Frank Edwards' book. And, and what's interesting to me is when I started lecturing on saucers in 1967, uh, that book was just out, and I think it was a bestseller. And uh, I was not a real investigator. I didn't claim to be, but they were this lecture bureau was looking for someone that had the time and energy to uh, lecture to colleges, and I wanted to have something to say, frankly. So I, I read uh, Frank Edwards' book, and I made notes and sort of almost memorized it. And one of the uh, cases that I used in my standard lecture was uh, that one. And, and then we found out later, if I'm not Wrong. It might have been uh, Jerry Clark that, that, that solved this. Uh, this man and his friends were all members of the Liars Club, and it was just a, a joke, and it never happened, and I guess nobody ever seriously thought at that time that it did. I think uh, that's a very interesting story, among others that you have. Well, let me, let me point out that Alexander Hamilton IV was killed in the Battle of Washita with uh, the 7th Cavalry. That's a different Alexander Hamilton, obviously. So, I mean, right. these names crop up throughout history. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> my all right. Point. But, um, yeah, Jerry Clark found, I guess, in the 1970s, found the daughter of Alexander Hamilton, and she described how her father had come home and said his name was going to be in the newspaper, and they had, they had invented this tale of this calf napping, which, which, by the way, sort of mirrors the modern cattle mutilation phenomenon that's going on, which, which is also kind of interesting. Well, it's a combination of the cattle mutilations and abductions that all rolled yes, into yes, one. Yes, But what, what was interesting is Eddie Bullard, who's a folklorist, began looking into the newspapers uh, from of the era and found in the, was it Yates County newspaper uh, for 1897, found a follow-up story where Hamilton admitted that it was a hoax. And, and what I found in researching the... Um, 1897 stories, one of the things I'd done is whenever I was in a city and had the opportunity, I'd go to the newspaper and look at the morgues for the 1897 newspapers and, and pull out these airship stories. And I'd done that, done that here in Cedar Rapids, and I got excited because I found one where the, a big long story in the Cedar Rapids Gazette about the, uh, about the airship. I, I found the story in the Cedar Rapids Gazette, which is very exciting. A number of people were mentioned in it. They'd seen the, seen the object over Cedar Rapids. And I, and I went home, and I, I was very excited about it. I said, you know, I should have looked at the paper the next day to see what it said. So I went back to the library the next day, and I, I looked at the newspaper and found another story from Waterloo, Iowa. But not only did the people see it, but the thing had landed, crash-landed in Waterloo, Iowa. And I, the, the thing I remember is the Gazette had sent a, a telegram to the Waterloo newspaper and said, you know, send us 500, 500 words of hard news, no crap. 
and uh, they talked to the crew of the of the ship that they had found there. A guy with a German accent, and their their project leader had fallen overboard and drowned in the Cedar River. And then eventually somebody recognized the guy as the flight crew as members or local locals, and uh, they admitted that it was a hoax, and that was the end of it. But what what happened was it also proved that the Cedar Rapids story was a hoax, and and so. Um, yeah, you know, that was that was how we we learned these things. And, and what was interesting was with Eddie Bullard, uh, he went and looked uh, uh, other newspapers in the area to see if he could find anything else about the Alexander Hamilton calf napping, and, and and found you know the the follow up story found found that it was a hoax. And, and that's the thing about a lot of the the airship stories is you've got one story and you're thinking this is really kind of an incredible story, but there's never any follow up on it, and that suggests that the thing is a hoax. You know. The, the Aurora, Texas crash from 1897. You've got the original story, and the thing hit the windmill and blew up, and they, they found the, the body of the um, Martian, and they buried it, and that's the end of the story. There's never any follow-up on, on it. And, and the people are still going to the Aurora, Texas cemetery, looking for the grave of the, of the Martian and things like that. But what they don't do is go to the, the local historical society, and, and in this case it's Wise County, Texas, and asked them about it, and I, I did that uh, before everybody started looking at the Aurora, Texas case, because at the time I lived in Texas, and uh, the, the historian told me, well, there's just nothing, nothing about that in the historical record at all. The event didn't take place, and, and you look at a couple of books that were written about Wise County in the years, one of them was, was like eight years after this event, and here's, here's an account of all the important events in Wise County, and there's nothing about that in the book book in 19, was it 1908, I think it was, maybe 1908, I think it was, so it was 11 years later. Uh, and, and you're thinking, well, the CIA didn't exist, so they did, couldn't, couldn't uh, go there and influence that, and nobody really cared, so if the event had taken place, it should have been mentioned in this book, but it wasn't. And there was a fellow I talked to, and he had these hands that were all uh, misshapen because of, of arthritis, and he had been alive in, in 1897, and it didn't happen, uh, you know, I, I lived here, it just didn't happen. And about five years later, I saw him on a TV program, and he recognized the gnarled hands, and he was now talking about the event as it took place, that uh, the, the airship crashed and that sort of thing. So, you know, wait, uh, wait a minute. He, he told you that it didn't happen, and then he yes. went on TV and said that it and, did and happen. And five or six years later, yes, he was on TV saying it did happen. Yes, exactly, uh, well, exactly right. Well, but, but, you know, uh, the, uh, excuse me, but that makes me think, and I may not have this perfectly, but Walter Hart, who I, I can say I saw but never really met, I was up in the office there at the Roswell Museum one time, and he came in to sign some papers. But as I understand it, it wasn't just a deathbed uh, confession. He, in his later years, uh, added to a story bits and pieces of his involvement with Roswell, whereas in all the years before that, he had never made such claims. Is that about right? Yes. And in fact, I remember uh, we were going out to dinner uh, in the mid-1990s, early 1990s. We were going out to dinner, and we were kind of throwing things around. And so I just said, that, I said to him, you know, figuring, well, we've got him in a frame of mind to answer questions, and he's might, maybe not thinking too, too carefully about what he's saying. I said, so when did you see the bodies? And he said, no, I never saw them. And so there is a history of Walter Hott saying that his involvement was only writing the press release. That's all he did. On the, other side of the, on the other side of the coin, I talked to a guy named Harris, who was clearly in Roswell in 19, 1990, or 1947. It's pictures in the yearbook. And he told me 
um, that Walter Hott had asked him if he wanted to see the bodies. So, uh, and that was before this was this was long before this this story came out. Uh, in fact, Harris died. I think I think in 1998 may have been a little earlier than that, but um, he died before Walter Hott ever began to talk about having seen the bodies. And yet he said to me, you know, Walter had asked him if he wanted to see the bodies. So there is a divergent of of, of what Hott was saying. So you could say, well, he uh, uh, lived up to his oath not to talk about it in his lifetime, and then produced this affidavit for. Uh, release after he passed away, but you know. That, but he did know, but didn't didn't he say most of what was in that final statement? Didn't he he make the same statements quite a a month or more before he died? As I understand it, he he did talk. Um, you might say out of school, um, starting in around I think around 2000, he had been doing an interview with. Um, Wendy Connor and uh-huh. her cohort, and her cohort. I think maybe it was Dennis Balthizer, and they had they had interviewed him, and and he had given part of this story to them. I'll tell you what. Here's another story for you. Coming up, we're talking to Kevin Randall and Jim Mosley with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Are you ready to order the official Paracast t-shirt? You asked, we answered. We're now taking orders for the official Paracast t-shirt. It comes in white, 100% cotton. The front of it features the same logo that we have on our community forums. On the back it says, separating signal from noise. To order the official Paracast t-shirt, here's all you have to do. Visit our new online store at store.theparacast.com. One more time, that's store.theparacast.com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t-shirt. Hey neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store store.theparacast.com. Has the United States been discovered in the Bible? Where does Islam fit in Bible prophecy? Is the new world order world government? These and other crucial end-time questions are answered in the new DVD package, Understanding the End Time, from End Time Ministries. Jesus Christ said, I tell you these things before they come to pass, so that when they do come to pass, you might believe. After you watch this 14-lesson DVD series, Understanding the End Time, you'll know more about Bible prophecy than the average seminary graduate. This DVD package normally sells for $280, but now is only $199. Order Understanding the End Time DVD package at endtime.com today for only $199 or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463. 1-800-363-8463 or endtime.com. Did you know that how well your brain works is directly dependent upon how well your gut works? Did you know that an inflamed or compromised digestive system directly contributes to poor focus, depression, irritability, attention deficit, and hyperactivity? By eliminating the inflammation in your intestines and by having good bacteria populations, you may enjoy better brain function. The most important protein your body needs to keep inflammation down is glutathione. 
the number one food to support a dramatic increase in glutathione production is undamaged whey protein from grass-fed cows. Virtually all whey proteins are damaged by heat, filtration, and chemicals, except one. One World Whey is the most life-giving whey protein on the market. It is changing the lives of its users in very positive ways. One World Whey may act as one of the most important health foods to support your and your child's optimal brain function. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com. Warning. The unprepared may not survive the next natural disaster, terrorist attack, or economic collapse. In light of recent global unrest and natural disasters, we bring you this urgent message from David Morris, author of the acclaimed Urban Survival Course. Because this message is urgent, we won't waste time on the why you should act now. You already know why. It's the very real and growing dangers reported in the media every day. Now it's the what you must do. Go to freesurvivalminicourse.com and claim your free Urban Survival Mini Course that will prepare you for breakdowns in civil order. Today, David Morris is offering you instant access to his seven-part Urban Survival Mini Course at freesurvivalminicourse.com. You should already be at your keyboard. Enough talk. Act now while you still have time and while it's still free. FreeSurvivalMiniCourse.com. FreeSurvivalMiniCourse.com. Or call 877-403-7076. 877-403-7076. You'll be glad you did. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out at iTunes. We're back with Gene and Chris and Kevin Randall and Jim Mosley, and let's just get away from all those discussions. I want to cover a couple of more things, Kevin, <laughs> thank, before thank we you. let you go. <laughs> thank you. I, I keep trying to get away from them as, as well. Jim keeps uh, dragging us back. Okay, Jim, no more dragging. No more kicking, dragging, or screaming uh, about Roswell. We're going to I had one up. other question about uh, Walter Hawk. Can I... Last can I question, then we have to well, move. Last question about okay, Walter Hawk. Yes. In Saucer Smear... I was charitable toward him at that time when I wrote this up, I suppose somewhat, sometime shortly after he died, and I said, being charitable, I said, I think that basically it's excusable because he did this as a, I can't say favor, but as a good thing, a nice thing for the town of Roswell and for his daughter, who, as you know, uh, is still head of, of the museum. In other words, he... He gave the myth a a boost that he didn't have to do, but he did do, and I can understand that. Uh, do you do you think I might be on the right track? I don't know. I, I really don't know. I'm uh, again. He was he was very adamant that he had not seen uh, anything. His involvement was purely the um, uh, press release. He also said that he operated as as uh, frequently as Colonel Blanchard's aide, a colonel not being. Uh, authorized an aide, you know, you have to be a general officer to, to be authorized an aide. So, but he filled in that position. 
So he had a relation with Blanchard that was a little bit more intimate than it would have been with Blanchard and some of the other lower-ranking company-grade officers. So he may have known more about it than he wanted to let on at the time. So he may have he may have been doing that as a way of of helping the town and helping his daughter, or he may have just been he may have been telling what he knew that he he felt it was necessary to eventually explain everything that had happened because we should all know what happened. So there's any any number of ways that you can go to to figure this out. What he but he okay, I'm finished. <laughs> We're going to hear a round of applause from our audience. No more Thank Roswell. You. Yay! <laughs> Yay, kiddo. All right, back to abductions. Pretty, pretty lame audience there. Don't say that. I mean, I mean, in, in, in the studio. In the well, studio. you know how it goes. <laughs> yeah, we don't have the Howard Stern, uh, you know, cast of thousands. <laughs> or millions, but we'll get there. We're working on it. All right. Let's go back to something that's back in the book about abductions. And as you know, prior to the time that Bud Hopkins died, he had to contend with a very disparaging article written by one of his ex-wives, Carol Rainey, regarding the authenticity of some of the research that Bud Hopkins and also Dr. David Jacobs have done. And you have some comments about this in your book. Maybe define them for our listeners. Not necessarily about abduction. Well, having been on Bud Hopkins' enemies list, I find out, because of my opinion on abductions, there, were, there was a certain amount of animosity there, I guess, that I, didn't, I wasn't aware that existed, but apparently did. Uh, but what I looked at mainly was uh, Bud had investigated a UFO crash in Santa Rosa, New Mexico in 1963. And in my book, Crash When UFOs Fall from the Sky, I had mentioned it briefly in the epilogue that there just didn't seem to be a lot to it. And I didn't know a lot about this case, but it just it was single witness and not very, very good. In the course of that article that uh, Carol Rainey had written, she mentioned the case in a little bit more detail about it. And I, I communicated with her about that. And I communicated with Walter Webb about it because Walter Webb had been involved in the investigation with Bud Hopkins. So I could get an idea of what was going on. And in the article, she suggested that, that Bud had been more enthusiastic for the case than, than was warranted, that, that there really wasn't a whole lot there. And there was a discussion of possibility of, of lists of witnesses. And, and Bud wrote, her, wrote a uh, response to that and said, well, there are no other witnesses and, and things like that. And that uh, Walter Webb's opinion was, was based on his lack of social skills in his investigation. And I thought that was a little bit untoward. So I, I did a little bit of research into that. So I talked, uh, not talked, uh, but I emailed Carol Rainey, got some information from her and, and communicated with Walter Webb and got a better idea of that investigation. And what, what it turns out is Bud apparently in, in, interviewed this woman named, uh, he called her Beanie, her last name was Bean, and she talked about the, um, the crash. So there was a discussion about the reliability of the witnesses. And, and Bud, was, Bud believed, believed uh, Beanie. She said that there was a police officer that she knew about who uh, was involved in this, and they went and tried to find him, but he'd passed away. And, and Bud made the comment, well, you don't invent the names of, of people uh, when, you, when you're creating a hoax. And I'm thinking, well, that's not exactly true, because Gerald Anderson used the name of a real person, uh, the inconveniently alive Dr. Buskirk, who said that he wasn't involved. So uh, we looked at all of, all of that stuff, and I mean, the conclusion is it's a single witness case. There is no other reliable evidence at all, no other other testimony. The corroborative testimony just didn't exist. And the, and the list of names were people 
who could have, who should have been contacted. We lucked out because Walter Hott had created the yearbook, and we had a list of of. 80% of the people who were at the base at the time. With, with this, she said she worked at the hospital, so we knew who the hospital employees were. We knew who the policemen, we, we, the police were involved, so we, knew, we, could, we could find out who the policemen were at the time. But nobody had bothered to follow up on any of those, on those ads, even though Walter Webb had suggested that we do so. So um, in that respect, you know, I, I looked at the case, and I, I just didn't think that it, that it was nearly as... as exciting as, as Bud Hopkins had suggested. So I, I, you know, that, that is outlined in the book, the, in, the investigation I conducted. And, and that was another point of the book. You can do a lot of this investigation now at home through the Internet. I mean, this is just such a marvelous tool that even Jim Mosley should get hooked up to the Internet. Well, I tell you, I'm too old and too stubborn and too ignorant, uh, actually. Well, stubborn, uh, stubborn, stubborn would be it, but, but, but it's a wonderful research tool because you can – uh, and, 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 and here's another here's another example, Jim, just for you. Um, on the Rhodes photograph, he mentioned that he'd gotten his Ph.D. in this 90-day wonder program, and this other guy had gotten it the same way. And he, he Rhodes on the Internet had posted a, a statement about how he'd received his Ph.D., and he said, unfortunately, this guy is dead. So I'm looking at the Internet because it mentioned Kit Peak, and I said, well, let's see if I can verify this guy's name. And it turned out not only could I verify his name – he was still alive, and it gave his email address, and I could email him about it. So I emailed the guy about, uh, about Rhodes and this, and this story about the Ph.D. The guy never really answered the questions about it because he was a friend of Rhodes, and I don't think he wanted to, to um, make his friend out to be a liar. But the, the point simply is, you know, we, we, can, we can do all this research now through the Internet. We can communicate with people we wouldn't have thought we could communicate. We can find people that, I mean, what were the odds that I could find this guy uh, with just his name and no idea where he lived or, or anything about it. It was just this, this off-the-wall comment about Kit Peak Observatory, and I followed that link and ended up with with an email address for the guy. So, um, you know, could I, mean, I just ask? Could I ask this? Uh, you have a Ph.D., uh, Kevin, and I was at some lecture of yours several years ago where you uh, mentioned to somebody else, but in my hearing. Uh, that it was mail order, but it was better than no Ph.D. at all. I'll tell you what, before we discuss the Ph.D.s, we got to discuss this. We have Kevin Randall, Jim Mosley joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com 
Did you know that gold and silver contain healing properties? It's true. Since the beginning of mankind's history, gold and silver have not only been used as real money, but also for healing our minds and bodies. UtopiaSilver.com is your leading source for colloidal silver and colloidal gold, offering supplement protocols that can heal and enhance your health. Protocols for boosting the immune system, insomnia, yeast infections, herpes, and countering the effects of vaccinations and radiation poisoning. And now Utopia. UtopiaSilver.com encourages the use of real money with this buy one, get one free real money special. For details and your colloidal silver and colloidal gold supplements, call 888-213-4338 and ask about 50% off for first-time customers. That's 888-213-4338 or visit UtopiaSilver.com, UtopiaSilver.com, fighting for liberty and healing one American at a time. That's what it sounds like when a burglar kicks in the door of a dark house that looks like no one is home. Don't let your home be the next target. Make it look like someone is home watching television with Fake TV. Fake TV is a small electronic device that makes the same light as a real television. So from outside, it looks like someone is home watching TV. Fake TV plugs in just like a lamp on a timer, but is far more convincing to burglars. Fake TV deters burglars, costs far less than an alarm, and is highly recommended by numerous police departments. Use it anytime you're away from home. To order your Fake TV for only $34.95, go to FakeTV.com or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. Each additional Fake TV is only $29.95, so get one for you and one for a loved one for safety, security, and peace of mind for both of you. Call 877-5-F-A-K-E-TV or go to faketv.com. Faketv.com, the burglar deterrent. If you're taking one, two, five, or more nutritional supplements, please stop. Simplify your supplementation with BioSuperfood, the most advanced nutritional whole food supplement you can buy. Men, women, children, even Olympic athletes the world over have discovered BioSuperfood from BioAge.com. And now take just one nutritional supplement instead of many. The BioSuperfood formulas are whole food products composed with four of the most nutrient-dense algae found on Earth. BioSuperfood for the brain helps with focus, memory, clarity, and mood. If you can increase brain health, the rest of the body is a no-brainer. Bio Superfood has zero toxicity and is safe for you and your family. Learn more and order your Bio Superfood formulas at BioAge.com. Spelled B-I-O-A-G-E.com. BioAge.com. Or call 877-288-9116. That's 877-288-9116. BioAge, the age of advanced organics. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. All right, so the question on the floor, on the table from Jim Mosley. On the floor. On the table, under the table, asking Kevin Randall about his doctorate. You're with Gene and Chris in the Paracast. Kevin, what's the it's, response? Uh, what, I said, what I said was it's distance learning, which is now all the rage. And it's certainly not as, as prestigious as a Ph.D. from, from Harvard or or yeah. now, what, uh, what's the word uh, that you use? It's distance. It's distance learning, and what oh, you distance do is you, learning. Okay. you do a lot of it over the internet. You communicate with the uh, with the various professors that way. Many many traditional uh, bricks and mortar uh, colleges uh, now offer offer uh, similar degrees similar degrees in the same vein, and the school is accredited. So I mean, 
who cares? The schools are crazy. No, I, I, uh, uh, only reason I got interested is uh, just that I happened to overhear you say that. By the way, in the new smear, which if you ask me nicely, I can send to you the one that's just going to the printer today, actually. I have a review of, of your book, mostly favorable, I think, and I do mention... <laughs> Uh, I do mention the Ph.D. because I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, go ahead. I'll, but, I'll be quiet for a while. But as I say, I mean, it's it's an accredited degree. And in do fact, you, I've, I've, yes, do I? No, no, I was going to say, do you wish to receive that uh, uh, issue of smear? Yes, I do. Yes. All right. Well, listen, I uh, it's been so long, I think I've lost your address. You may not want to give it over the air, but if you'll... No, I, uh, what, I'll do, what I'll do is I'll give you my, my post office box. Oh, all right. We can send the assassins to the P.O. Uh, box. Yes, okay, and then when, when, I, when, I, when I show up to pick it up, they can, they can attempt to gun me down at that point. Okay, okay. We'll, have, we'll exchange addresses, and we'll make sure everybody can contact everybody. All right. <laughs> In addition sure. to all the discussions we've had, and it's been fun having Jim and Kevin just go back and forth about things in the book, about Roswell and other subjects, there were some questions that our listeners wanted to know about. And I think it would be a good time that maybe Chris O'Brien can basically delve into the question bank and ask a couple of questions of Kevin Randall. Chris? Well, we do have uh, quite a number of questions, of course. Uh, I think we've answered some of the Roswell-oriented uh, questions. But in, here's one from Sentry, uh, who is one of our uh, fairly long-term, uh, long, you know, long-time posters. And he, he asked, in, in a recent issue of Saucer Smear, Jim Mosley had been revisiting the Cash Landrum UFO case from 1980. And Sentry would like to hear Kevin's opinion on this case, especially his thoughts on the military helicopters believed to be involved. If this was a military operation, could it be uncovered after all these years? I haven't done a lot of research into Cash Landrum. I find it interesting, but as a former Army helicopter pilot, I wonder where they got all the damned helicopters at that time of the year. Uh, and, 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 and yes, if it was a military operation and that number of helicopters was involved, there's got to be a large support contingent. You've, you've got to have full fuel. You've got to have quarters for the for the flight crews. You've got to provide uh, uh, food for them. So there there should be a lot of documentation if there was this huge contingent of military helicopters. Clearly, clearly the uh, Cash and Landrums were uh, exposed to radiation, and clearly they were they were sickened by it. Um, so I I think John Schusler did the definitive work on that thing. So if, you know, questions, questions about that, they should look for John Schusler's uh, work on Cash Landrum. But it's a very interesting case, and, and certainly one where um, the craft seemingly interacted with the environment by making, making uh, the, the three people who were closest to it ill. You know, I, I've been in touch with Schusler lately uh, to some degree and with other people. Schusler and probably most of these other people would basically prefer that it be interplanetary rather than something of ours. Uh, my, uh, again, let's say interplanetary just as a substitute for whatever weirdness may actually be the cause of saucers. The point is, in, in this particular case, I think it's very probable that it was some horrible experiment of ours that went wrong. And you may be absolutely correct. 
All right, I thank you. I, I don't know. I don't know what experiment it would be. And I, I, I don't know, either. And I know that uh, I know John and, and a lot of the people tilt toward the the extraterrestrial explanation in in, in this case. Um, but as I say, clearly there there is evidence that the the event took place, whatever the event may have been. And uh, well, I I have ascertained. Uh, uh, that we know what the helicopter group was, and I forget, I don't have it all in front of me, but it was a group that was assembled specifically to eventually try to rescue the hostages, uh, and and uh, that was it, its purpose, and uh, eventually they weren't needed because it was done through a political means. But that that was their special mission, and they were training vigorously, and they very well could have been and seem to have been uh, doing their uh, maneuvers and their training during Christmas week, which is a time that you wouldn't expect helicopters. So Smear, in its investigation, I think, nailed that down. I don't know if anybody previously had done so. What we haven't nailed down and never will is what was the craft, and I don't know. Maybe we'll have more coverage of Cash Landrum on a future episode of the Powercast. Chris? Let's move to the next question. This is a whole series of questions from Blowfish, who's, again, uh, another one of our fairly long, long-time posters. Um, I'm going to skip the, uh, <laughs> the Roswell case. Please, <laughs> please. <laughs> Thank you. What, what are your most top five credible UFO cases, which have more than one eyewitness? That's, that's kind of a tall order to answer that one. And then for what it's worth, what's your favorite and, and least favorite sci-fi movies? Oh God! Yeah, Kevin can answer that. Go ahead. The, the the science fiction movies. My goodness, there's so many. There's so many really good ones, and most of the ones I really like are the old ones uh, from the 50s, like the uh, the Deadly Mantis, <laughs> especially when they when they did it on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, Forbidden Planet's always been really really good, and I I enjoyed Earth versus the Flying Saucers, of course. Um, uh, and and there's so many really crappy science fiction movies as well. Um, uh, Galaxy of Terror, I think, might be among the the very worst. Oh, Plan Nine from Outer Now, Plan Nine from Outer Space was was fun because it's so bad. Okay, so we take care of the science That's fiction. That's good. Um, uh, top five multiple witness. Oh, well, if if we ignore Roswell, because we don't want to mention that name again, uh, I'm thinking of Leveland because you've got witnesses at at least 13 separate locations, eyewitnesses and, and multiple witnesses at some of those locations, so there's more than 13 witnesses. You've got the craft interacting with the environment, which is stalling the, the engines. You've got obvious, the obvious uh, Air Force um, attempts to uh, belittle the case. Uh, the investigator shows up for most of it and talks to three witnesses, and the Air Force says, well, there were only three witnesses, but if anybody had bothered to look, um, you would have found more. So that that's a very interesting case. Um, Lubbock, because it's very close to Leveland, we'll just mention that, uh, but because of the photographs taken by Carl Hart Jr. as opposed to anything else, I talked to Carl Hart Jr. a number of years ago, and he said at the point, at that time, he didn't know what he photographed. He wasn't sure they were alien spacecraft, but he didn't know what he'd photographed. So there's an, an interesting case where you've got a lot of people involved. Uh, some of them are seeing natural phenomenon. Ruppelt in his book, said that he knew the explanation, but when we finally got a hold of Rupel's papers and found out he was talking about it being fireflies, and I don't remember fly fireflies flying in a formation. Um, let's see. Um, 
I'm trying to think of multiple witness cases here. Uh, well, the Washington Nationals, because you've got multiple witnesses, you've got people on the ground, you've got people, uh, air, airline pilots, you've got military pilots, you've got the uh, craft scene on um, uh, radar craft, so you've got uh, radar scopes, so you've got instrumentality. Uh, the Charles Moore sighting from New Mexico in 1949. We have three I, cases so far. We'll ask for the other two on the other side. Next week on the PowerCast, we'll have a special all-star episode where we will honor Lucius Farish, whom some regard as the rock of ufology, next week on the PowerCast. We have Kevin Randall and Jim Mosley with Gene and Chris. You're in the PowerCast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at webtv.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. Iodine protection packs from hempusa.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit hempusa.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. Don't answer it. If fear strikes your heart when the phone rings, knowing it may be another bill collector, it's time for you to call Zero Debt in 90 Days. 800-477-9256. Settlements, bankruptcy, and attorneys are not the answer and may end up costing you up to 10 times more than necessary. Listen, if you're already in debt, does it make sense to get buried in another payment plan? Zero Debt in 90 Days gets you out of debt in 90 days guaranteed without a payment plan and without attorneys or going to court. Get the fastest relief from debt on the planet 
when you call 800-477-9256. If you have debt with the IRS, credit cards, student loans, or a foreclosure, we can help at zero debt in 90 days, and we are the only organization to provide written guarantees on the results. Go to ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. That's ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. Or call now for free information, 800-477-9256. That's 800-477-9256. Folks, have you lost your power and wanted to simply flip a switch to get the lights back on? If so, this is going to be the most important message you'll ever hear. Because there's never been a better time to get ready for the winter power outages ahead. Here's why. Solar power generators are now available from our friends at Solutions from Science, one of our oldest sponsors. Their emergency backup systems provide life-saving electrical power when you need it most. Unlike gas generators, a solar generator runs quietly, emits no fumes, and produces electricity from the sun. It's like having an electric power plant running quietly in your own home. Whether it's ice storms, brownouts, or blackouts, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. When the power goes out this winter, you'll be ready with a solar power generator from Solutions from Science. Go to MySolarBackup.com for more information. That's MySolarBackup.com or call 877-327-0365. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. In this final segment of the Paracast with Kevin Randall, Jim Mosley, Gene Steinberg, Chris O'Brien, we've been asking where we have time, your questions, listeners, the ones you've posted at the forums, forum.theparacast.com in a place called the Question Bank. And Kevin Randall was asked about his five favorite multiple witness cases, three so far, two to go. Kevin? Well, the, 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 we, we, we've, got, we've got Leveland, we've got Lubbock, we've got the Washington Nationals, we've got uh, Charles Moore. Okay, that's four. Ray, New Mexico, and let's see. Uh, oh, uh, Bentwaters is, is always very interesting, especially because we have, um, we have some very good testimony from, from the military witnesses if we ignore Larry Warren. So uh, yeah, there, there's five uh, very good cases. Chris, what's the next question? This is from our uh, administrator, and moderator, uh, resident skeptic, Angelo. Uh, Angelo, question for Kevin Randall: Have you ever come across any cattle mutilations that are actually paranormal? Personally, no. Uh, the ones that I've investigated, we've always been able to find a terrestrial explanation for. Uh, my favorite, and I only mention this because the guy's name was Jefferson Davis. Uh, a veterinarian living in Wisconsin, Jeff Davis in in Wisconsin, because they were talking about a cattle mutilation, and he was the vet, and I went and talked to him about it, and he he said it was clear that the farmer had had uh, committed the mutilation for the insurance money. If the cow the cow which had been sickly its whole life, if it had died of natural causes, he got no insurance. But if he had been killed by <laughs> the uh, mutilators, whomever they were, then he would have gotten his insurance money. And and, and that that answer is. For that case specifically, it's it's not a, 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 a suggestion that spans all cattle mutilations. It's that that case specifically um, was solved. Really? I, I haven't I haven't seen any that in my investigations that that involved the paranormal. Chris, so why don't you go with the next question? Well, again, uh, most of the, you know I think we've asked all our non-Roswell questions, but um, <laughs> we do have. Uh, 
a couple of interesting ones that dovetail away from Roswell. Do, do you feel that there is a demonstrable link between Roswell and the rapid advance of technology starting in the 50s? And what specific modern tech do you know of, if any, that is rumored or thought to be linked directly back to Roswell and alien craft? So this is kind of uh, getting into the Corso realm of back engineering and salting uh, private industry with uh, technological uh, information for them to back engineer. Uh, what, the subject well, of back engineering, and what do you think about all that? If, if Roswell was extraterrestrial, there would be an attempt to reverse engineer it. There's no question about it. Uh, the technological leaps that we seem to have made in the 50s seem to be driven by human research. I mean, you can find the uh, you can you can see the evolution through through the scientific papers and the scientific research being done. I think Corso mentioned specifically uh, transistors, but but you can see that the transistor uh, was actually under development prior to 1947. So there doesn't seem to be anything there that that suggests that. If I was to guess, it seems, and it's it's just what it seems to me is the use of composite uh, materials for the. Um, Skin of various aircraft would be would be my guess, but I have nothing to back that up, and it's just kind of a, a guess on my point I, uh, part. I would I would point out that the um, XR seventy one, which was they began development in the in the fifties, and that technology is stunning for nineteen fifty when you when you think this is nineteen fifties technology, but I I see no relation between the development of the SR-71 and anything that might have been picked up at Roswell. So I make that point clear, just that the, some of the technological developments we were making in, in, in the 50s and 60s were just absolutely stunning, and I don't think it has any relation to UFOs. You know, the one thing I could say, just really silly devil's advocate question about this, and that is that we look at the histories of the development of transistors and other things and we say, well, they couldn't have been reverse engineered from Roswell. There are two other possibilities, one which is that things we learned from Roswell jump-started existing research, and number two, we kind of altered the records so we'd show a clear delineation of discoveries in the notes, but that's not quite what happened. Is that silly? The, the problem with that is you've got to go back and you've, you've got to eliminate a lot of stuff. I mean... Let's just take as an example Robert B. Willingham, who claimed to have seen this UFO crash near Del Rio, Texas. Uh, he he claims that his records have been expunged, have gotten rid of them. Well, you can't do that because there's all kinds of stuff. There's there's something called the Red, the uh, Air Force Officers Registry. Had he been an Air Force officer, his name should appear in that document, and it was in it was printed every year. For, for, for literally decades. In fact, if you go to the Army Registry you can, uh, and you look up 1877, it, it tells you, uh, you get a list of the names of the officers killed at the Little Bighorn, for example. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a complete registry of the officers in the military. There's in, always going to be concept. a copy, long and short of it. There's Pardon always going to be a copy of some sort there's of no document way, no that get, exists outside no the official channels. Yeah, there's no way to get sure. everything. There's no way to eliminate everything. You can always find the trail that way. And so when you say, when, when somebody says, well, you know, they've altered the records and that, well, you, you can't do that. And, it, and it's like uh, they say there was a picture. Somebody said there was a picture of the crashed craft on the front page of the newspaper, and it, and it came to our, you know, we came one evening and, and we hid it, but then the military came around and were picking up all the copies. Well, you hid your copy, didn't you? Well, yes, we did. Well, where is it? Well, we've lost it. 
That's no. the point. The point being that no matter what you do, whatever we did to hide Bob Lazar's real educational record, yes. some copy would exist somewhere. You, and, 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 and with Willingham, he can't produce any documents. If you ask me, if, if I, I say to you, well, I, I retired as a lieutenant colonel from the, from the Army. And you say, well, we wrote to St. Louis, and, and your records don't reflect that. Can you prove it? I've, got, I've even got uh, copies of, of travel vouchers, for God's sakes. So you know, I've got I've got piles of documents to prove it. Uh, so, but but these guys say, well, I lost all my documents. They were lost in the fire. My wife threw them out. You know, all of that stuff. It just doesn't make any sense. So when you, you got to watch about the wives throwing out all the old critical records that you need to prove yes. your case. Yes, yes, and, right. and 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 that's and that's it. There's always you, if you dig a little bit, uh, you you can find you can find the records. The government just isn't that good to eliminate all that information unless. They happen to be there and can turn off the spigot at the very source before you get a chance to create a lot of the documentation. And even then, they can always create bogus documentation to confuse everybody. And if they're not doing it, then there's enough people in the UFO field doing it to, to help, uh, help them out. I won't even mention MJ-12 in that context. Oh, do. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> but you only have a minute, so basically you don't believe MJ-12, it's all a fake. Is that it? Yes. Yes. That's absolutely correct. And I really don't think the government had a hand in it. I think that was misinformation created by specific people in the UFO field, and I'll be very careful and explain. I don't think Stan Friedman had a hand in it. But there were others who created the MJ-12 documents for their own reasons, and it had Bill Moore, perhaps. I'm not going to mention any names. Bill Moore, James <laughs> Chandry, and uh, Richard Doty. I won't mention any names. No names. I'll tell you what. Before we run out of time to mention names, Kevin Randall, you have this book, Reflections of a UFO Investigator from Anomalous Books. Tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff in addition to this book. You can find you can find it all at Amazon.com. And you can get a Kindle version of it, and Kindle is really neat because I just got my iPad, so I've been getting Kindle books, and that's kind of fun. Uh, you can take a look at my blog, which is at uh, kevinrandall.blogspot.com, or just type a different perspective into your search engine, and it should pop up. And you can find some of the stuff. Uh, you can find more stuff about UFOs there, and uh, we'll just uh, uh, go to Barnes & Noble. You can find the books. Uh, go to uh, any of your bookstores, any uh the online places you can find a lot of the stuff. Jim Mosley, how do we get a copy of Saucer Smear? Well, I don't know if Kevin will ever get one because you wouldn't let him give his address. But for other people, uh, <laughs> they can write to uh, to my name, Jim Mosley, uh, P.O. Box 1709, Key West, Florida, 33041. And you can find our old friend Chris O'Brien's stuff at OurStrangePlanet.com. He hangs out the Paracast forums at forum.theparacast.com. This is the kind of show I love because we have such great guests, I can just sit back and enjoy it. Kevin Randall, Jim Mosley, thanks for joining us this week on the Paracast. Oh, thank you. Jim? Yes, thank you. Oh, yes. <laughs> The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible, Incorporated. Tune in next week. 
for a new adventure in the Paracast. <laughs>